welcome to episode 469 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little, along with me as always. Idiot. the man <laughs> sitting across the table from me. It's Russell John the Fisherman. That's, that's a nothing number. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. Okay. <laughs> We're only one number off, two numbers off. Yeah. Well, one number off. Both directions from were a number being off. the best combination of numbers ever assembled. Oh, my God. For 2069. So we are 469. Happy Halloween, everybody. And, and, it's airing on Halloween. It's not Halloween today, though. But it is political season. And okay. I want I don't want people to know that we are 469. Oh Thank you so much. God. We'll see you next week. Also joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, is Randy Michael Stat. That's me. And I uh, have no opinions on 69. <gasps> what? You're in the band literally titled Opinions, dude. This is true, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and this is the I, biggest I wasn't opinion. The, I wasn't the main, um, you know, lyrical writing force uh, for Opinions. It's, a, it's so. always excuses with you, dude. I thought you had no lyrics in that band. No, we did. Opinions oh, okay. did. You You're thinking us, of Unconditional think. uh, Arms, dude. His oh, Second Amendment band. Yeah. <laughs> you keep jumping political signs. That's right. <laughs> I, I kept waiting on you to say something, Randy. It's like you teed up twice. I mean, I live in Georgia now, so, you know. Oh, unconditional. There we go. Now now we circle back. Also joining us from behind the wall, behind the glass that does not exist. It's Oksana Valerian of Osachi. <laughs> Hi. Oksana, what's going on? Um, Not much. I don't know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no Halloween talk or anything? <laughs> yeah, it's I'm- your favorite season. It is, but I, you know how badly I screwed up this year? I don't even have a costume for myself. I have no ideas. I'm probably just going to wear a Halloween dress, but Cliff is going to look adorable, and that's all anyone cares about. So, so what are, what are, uh, this is Cliff's first Halloween. Yep. And so, what are the plans for Cliffy's first Halloween? You're taking him out in the neighborhood? What's going on? So, we found out yesterday that there's like a very short running, haunt that former guest Scott Frizzell worked on that's happening in Palo Alto. Yeah. So we're going to try and take him to that. You're taking you want to roll? a it's, child to a haunt? It's not a haunt. He made like a Barbie house that's like a haunted toy I mean, store. He built it out of, so he fabricates crazy shit. Like if, if you remember Moggy Creatures, that was yeah, the whole course. thing. Yeah. So he fabricated it for the city and they're going to put it out and you can basically go in it for like It'll be open for like three hours. Just in the middle, they're blocking off the street and everything. So he was like, hey, if you want to roll out here, come out. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm like, okay, we can pu- that sounds perfect. Pop out, get to see a little bit of Halloween, come right back in. In Palo Alto, California. Yeah. Over by the Stanford, I'm imagining. Scott was at episode 20. That's how long yeah. ago. Wait, oh, man. Damn. We met him at fucking uh, Monster Palooza. That's how long ago. Yeah, it's been a long time. Was that the last Monster Palooza you attended? Maybe. No. I can't can't remember. They all blend together. Well, it was eight years ago, so I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. All right. It feels like it. I want to go back. All right. Well, this is uh, the Halloween episode, and from what I've been told, uh, there is much in store. Uh, The the conclusion of... uh, I don't know. Have we been held hostage by Billy? Is that... Is that sort of the situation we're in? Uh, his contract is up after Halloween. Okay. So so we are at the end of it. I don't know. He was giving up last week. 
He 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 one hundred percent gave up last week. So, so I, I am know. I am interested in the uh, the narrative. I'm interested that this is the first time he chose to pump it up when it's like he's he's full Randy at this point. You've pumped it up head this slumped. whole day. He's got a flat tire on the tricycle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Got a little rain cloud. Um, I'm still okay. bummed he hasn't gone the Billy Corgan route yet. What, <laughs> what do he you mean? Pro wrestling. A, uh, no, just work a, uh, you know, Smashing Pumpkins reference into one of the horror stories or into like anything oh that he says, God. you know? Randy. The world is a vampire. I don't know. <laughs> it's a well, vampire. What? Randy, what the <laughs> This is why you should have collaborated with them when he took you I'll hostage. make that sound cooler in post, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sure you I liked it that way, honestly. Um. All right. Well, before we bring in David. Yeah, what we got up top? Uh, Project Eerie should be out on VOD. I see people have already been getting the Blu-ray. Um, we can't drop the ball here. We got to get one. Oxon, I'm looking at you through the wall. We got to, oh my God. There's I don't like, see it. There's like puke all over my pants. Is it your puke? <laughs> I don't know what it is. There's some weird, Um, <laughs> it's radio. There's no reason for me to to share that, but I did. Well, I don't know if you know are this, you, but you're an overshare. Are you about to chew that cracker on the mic? We have a, well, because we have a new <laughs> segment on the show. Oh, what is it? It's uh, Clark's snack of the episode. Oh, I hate I this. hit the stinger. What? Okay. Clark's snack of the week. This week, <laughs> chicken and a biscuit. I, he's holding up a, a box of a box of a box. A chicken and a biscuit. Bok choy. Bok. What? It's a chicken joke. Oh my god. Oh. So, <laughs> I got you. So he's holding up a box to the camera like there's a visual component. Which I got yelled at on Instagram for not having a visual component for the Ricky thing. So don't worry. It's going up on YouTube. We plan on bringing back all of the interviews and throwing them up on YouTube. Not the regular show, though, because apparently it's bullying. So, yeah. You know, <laughs> Fuck we, you. We don't want to get striked. Um, yeah. Project Erie should be out. The Blu-ray looks beautiful. Um, uh, Terrell is on DH1's I Love Money, which is an ORG. DH1? Yes, because the dude who started is Dylan. Oh, <laughs> okay. I didn't even make that connection. I thought that was just the closest to VH1. How? <laughs> the closest to D and V are very far apart. Right. In the album. Sounding. <laughs> okay. You know how like Full Moon or whatever makes things that are like sound not, real, kind of like. Not full. Asylum. Asylum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paranormal entity. That kind of. Yeah, I, okay. Well, um, if that were the case, uh. Good job, because it confuses everybody I tell DH1 to. Um, <laughs> he's on that show. If you go, actually, we need to put that in the community tab on YouTube. If you want to watch him, it streams Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And uh, what times, I'm not sure, because it's a very, it's a micro budget ORG. So shit changes all the time, and it's gnarly, but uh, it's, it's honestly kind of fun. So check that out. Glory Holes every Friday. I watched the first one, missed the following two. I will definitely make a strong effort to watch it this week. I don't stay up past 10, 15. Yeah, it, it's a little late. That doesn't bother me. But um, if you missed last week's, uh, I'll catch you up. Dave O'Shea posted that they played the correct episode, which is rare, but in a weird aspect ratio where there was a tiny rectangle in the larger rectangle that is normally the TV screen. Um, the Palma style. No, <laughs> not at all. This is like some weird avant-garde style where you're supposed to reflect. Sam Brackage style. 
Yeah. Like you're supposed to take the negative um, area of the frame and reflect on the time you're wasting watching TV. In fact, it might have been his intent. This might all be part of his plan. We're all in his web, dude. All right. Well, speaking of web of lies, brackage and film, uh, let's let's get the show rolling with David Lynch. I know Randy has a heart out, and I I plan on hitting it. Randy's got and a heart Clark out. Has a heart on. Dude, two rare occasions. It's all coming together for no, Halloween. What are you about for the past two years, I've been popping boners <laughs> like that. You've been pitching tiny tents in your pants. Dude. Oh yeah, dude, I PTT. love it. PTT. On that note, good morning. It's October 29th, 2023, and it's a Sunday. Day two of weekend projects, and the fun work train is rolling. Today, I will be shopping. <laughs> Since Chuck kidnapped me, I haven't had time to pick out a Halloween costume. Thankfully, they've turned one of the empty train cars into a spirit shop. After that, I'll be heading to one of the carving cars, where I'll be working with candy, decorations, and pumpkin. Everyone, have a great Halloween. Whoa, dude. You too, David. Who is Chuck? Oh, my God. <laughs> You've been too high during these episodes. Also, it's been confirmed for the five of you that really pay attention to the deep lore on our Discord that uh, Clark did make an appearance on there. And I'm already out. And he's already out. We knew that after somebody tagged you in like five posts. I, and got, it was too much. No, it was everybody. I it was like, not I, everybody. It was a lot. It was one person three times. And the bit was, if he doesn't respond to this, uh, he, he's gone. And I said, why don't you just turn it into a baseball game? Give him three strikes and then we'll know he's out. But it was a lot of commotion. The thing is, I knew immediately you were out. You probably got in there. You were probably high out of your mind. Didn't know what you were doing. Got lost. Woke up in Discord. Said I need to go home. No, it's a Slack for our show. Yeah, it is. I I have never used Slack, like you white collared folk. Right. But uh, I've heard it's very similar, just not as fun. Correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I nailed that. Having never participated. Um. Okay. Well, are you guys ready for the final two sentence horror story? I, let me tell yeah. you something. I've, <laughs> I've been ready. These two ding dongs. All right. Well, you really got to bring it today. I'm, um, or not, who knows? We may not even have one. So, I don't know. I'm, it's bittersweet for me. I don't really want to introduce him. He's been so much more enjoyable than that last guy we had. I don't even remember his name. Well, I would tell you that just think of it like the, the entire Saw franchise. <laughs> you think he's done. Oh, yeah. He comes, he comes strolling back. Even though he does have terminal cancer, he may be back. And that tricycle's got a lot of miles on it. <laughs> Oh, tricycle. But it keeps going. You you brought to mind a triple-headed <laughs> scythe. I'm sorry? Yeah. Okay, on that note. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I want to play a game. A game of wits. Game of anticipation, a game of two sentences. It's time for two sentence horror story. Live or die. It's good. I love that theme song. All right. So, uh, Billy every week has demanded that I 
mentioned that this two-sentence horror story game is a game. He's going to lay out one sentence, and then we're supposed to predict the second. If you've been following along, we are 0 for 4 currently and have been uh, each subjected to a, a trap, a torture, and uh, we've survived because Billy became depressed. <laughs> And it's kind of given up. up. So let's just, let's see where we're at. Billy, if you're ready. A dude showed up to my Halloween party, completely done up to look like O.J. Simpson. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got guesses around the table. All right. Randy's first. He said, y'all take care now and then killed himself. <laughs> Whoa, dude. This is why we can't be on YouTube. We can't, Randy, you have to say self-delete. <laughs> <You true>. can- <laughs> okay, it's an answer. Oksana, you ready? Can I hear it again? All right. I, I think Billy's been beaten down enough that we could just <laughs> keep... Come on, Billy. A dude showed up to my Halloween party, completely done up to look like O.J. Simpson. Billy's too intimidating. Oh my god, dude! All you have to do is just say a sentence. Do you want? Do you want more time? Sure. All right, we'll we'll come back to you. Oh my gosh! All right, Clark. I know. I know you're ready. You want to hear it one more time? Of course. Okay. Here you go. Better. A dude showed up to my Halloween party, completely done up to look like O.J. Simpson. And you know what? It was fucking O.J. Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) You know that's what I would think immediately too. It's like, oh shit, it's him. Because that dude has no filter. He's unaware. He'll just do anything and act like he's not OJ Simpson. Also, I love the uh how Billy speaks now. He was done up to look like OJ Simpson. <laughs> Billy's looking hip. Dude, he's got sunglasses on. It's probably one of the pair you lost. <laughs> All right, Oxada. All right. Are you ready? You want to hear it one more time? Okay. All right. A dude showed up to my Halloween party. Completely done up to look like O.J. Simpson. He's white. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Weird delivery. I like I like the the idea, though. All right. All right. right, Shut up. Billy, what is it? A dude showed up to my Halloween party. Completely done up to look like O.J. Simpson. The dude is white. Oh, you did it. Wait, we need to. (laughs) Oh, my God. This was a fucking job. Wait, wait, hold on. Oh, Oh my God. Billy wants to say something. Congratulations. David Lynch was right. If I dumbed down my riddle and made it slightly inappropriate, one of you would get it. (laughs) Don't be alarmed. I pushed my flight back so I could make a dramatic reappearance on the show. Last week, I mentioned feeling ashamed for upsetting the clown puppet. So I did my homework, watched all the Saw movies, and learned they love a flashback right at the end of the film. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned reading a book by Herman Webster Mudgett. Herman Webster Mudgett, better known as Dr. Henry Howard Holmes or H.H. Holmes, was an American con artist and serial killer active between 1891 and 1894. You may know him better as the guy who commissioned a three-story building in Chicago. 
known as the Murder Castle. The following week, I mentioned reading a book by Frank Conabare, although the book he wrote was about the adventurous life of a black beaver. A single Google would have revealed that Frank invented the bear trap. The reverse bear trap is a visual metaphor in the Saw films, with an emphasis not on trapping, but on releasing. Last week, David gave me my first mission. I flew to the ATL and hid in the Plaza Theater, followed Randy home one night, and then the haunting began. I knew eventually Randy would panic and call the police. So I hid his cell phone, forcing him to use the house landline, which is only accessible through a rotary phone. Turning the plastic number circle would cause the sleeping gas to emerge. When Billy rode up on his tricycle, Randy tied up lying across the handlebars. It dawned on me. The perfect punishment for the Overlook Hour podcast would be to force them to continue for another eight years. <laughs> so until October 2031, you will need to record at least a single episode which includes flying me out, or else you may see my new partner in crime, Billy the Puppet. Now let's go, Billy. I saw someone on BART watching Inland Empire on their phone. Live or die, but always happy Halloween. What a... <laughs> <laughs> Machiavellian ending you have constructed here today. Dude. That was very good. I'm going to cut that music. I'll never stop playing that music. You know that theme song's seven minutes long. Yeah, dude. It's worth eight. All right. Well, Randy, I'm glad uh, you made it out. I'd, you didn't tell us you had a rotary phone in your house, but I grew up in a couple of homes with the rotary phone. For sure, same. I don't think I've been to the plaza in a couple of weeks, though. So it must have been, you know, a long time in the making. <laughs> it was. When did the bumps in the night start? That was like a month ago. Uh, yeah, they've been they've been happening a little bit before that too. But yeah, they're, they're <laughs> continuing. There's also, in addition to the walnuts on this side of the house, my driveway, which also has a lot of tree coverage, is like filled with acorns like every day. <laughs> well, you can't do nothing with the acorns, but uh, Randy, walnuts are not a cheap nut, bro. You're sitting on a gold mine over there. Yeah, true. There should be some way to, uh, you know, collect them or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very easily so. Wait, we just got threatened by a puppet. David Lynch teamed up with them. They're going to murder somebody on Bart, and we immediately pivot into nut talk. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love nut Randy, talk. nut talk. I just, um, you know... I have to say, even though I think we're being punished for another eight years, I would happily welcome back Billy. He was a lot of fun in the end. Yes, no, that was great. <laughs> everyone, did, everyone did a fantastic job. Oksana's a world-class actor. Dude, actor? She nailed that one. That was great. I have to, you know, we'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Maybe some of that shit isn't true. Maybe Randy wasn't laid across the handlebars of a tricycle and uh, ridden to California. But I really thought when he was going to get that one. What, that the Randy? OJ one. The who was? One of you. I, I thought there was I'm a good chance. Did. Last minute, last minute I had to put in, I'm like, you know what? There's a good chance nobody's going to get it. No. I know. But then when you hear it, you're like, oh, that's a pretty obvious, like, kind of pivot right there. So I, I, I had love, hope. I just love Oksana's sentence. He's white. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't do well under speaking pressure. <laughs> oh man, you you did great, and um, it was five stars. Yeah, it was that was out like, of five. Five out of so twelve. Twelve out of twelve. Perfect. Um, thank thanks again, David Lynch. You know, normally he doesn't like acting in parts, but uh, he saw the puppet and he really got endeared to it. So it kind of wrote itself. Um, all right. So is that it for the show? <laughs> the dumbest film show on the airwave or on the internet? We don't say that. There? There's a uh, there's a car YouTuber called Hoovy. And uh, and he opens up every one of his episodes by saying, welcome to Hoovy's Garage, the dumbest car show on YouTube. Hoovy's Garage? Yeah. His cool name, plug. His name is Tyler Hoover. So okay. He, he goes by Hoovy. All right. No more plugs he has for Hoovy. A lot of cars. Okay. <laughs> like over fifty. Like Leno style? Yeah. He's okay. he's like Junior Leno. Oh, Junior he's Leno. Been, he's been over to Leno's place. They shoot videos together. <laughs> what a cool live. <laughs> All right, Randy Michaelstead. We go to Atlanta, Georgia. A land where you got back there earlier this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what was that? Tuesday? Tuesday. That's wrong. Tuesday's gone with the wind. Leonard Skinner. RIP. Hell yeah. I made a second uh, guest appearance at the house Monday night. Hell unexpectedly. yeah. That's right. I was downstairs cooking some macaroni out of the blue box. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. And yeah, I was uh, in I Oakland Gisotti. visiting some friends and Jasadi had texted me or messaged me earlier. Randy, come and on. And I got Eat. back to MacArthur Bart. I was about to go home and I was like, It'd probably be really bad if I didn't send a message back to Gisaudi. So I sent him a message and he picked me up and we went to Drake's and had several brew dogs. And then, yeah, came back to Overlook Mountain. I know everybody's confused right now. It, East Bay cinematographer Gisaudi Perkins. There we go. Exactly. Now, now you can all have that picture in your head. That's right. Uh, merch coming soon. <laughs> all right. So Randy, you've been home. Uh, when you got back home, did you have any rotten fruit in the? Uh, Excuse me. In the refrigerator. How much rotten fruit do you expect <laughs> right. to have? No, I uh, I had a couple of things that were still in the fridge that I threw out, but I don't think they were actually bad yet. But I didn't want to didn't want to risk it. But no more dead birds flying into the house. No, just that one when I moved in, like you know, a couple months in. Yeah, good, good movie, Dead Birds. Oh, thank you so much. Love Craftian. Uh, single to Angry Birds. <laughs> Angry Dead Birds. Good movie too. All right, Randy, the floor is yours. Sure. Yeah. Uh, We'll uh, link up on a a movie later. But um, this morning, I intended to watch a couple things, but I uh, ended up only watching one. What happened? Uh, I ended up playing uh, guitar for several hours. Dark. I was was really hoping he was going to say a video game. Be like, who is this new Randy? I don't own a system, dude. I know you could have got one. It would have been double surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, documentary on Netflix called Yellow Door, uh, 90s lo-fi film club. And it is essentially a documentary about um, Bong Joon-ho and a couple of his buddies back when they were, I don't know, probably like in their 20s, early 20s, early to mid 20s uh, in South Korea and um, all getting really into film. And sort of there is a first short that uh, Bong Joon-ho made called Looking for Paradise that is kind of like a big thing that they're sort of like uh, talking about in the movie. It kind of like, you know, comes up throughout like the beginning and like towards the end of the movie and 
uh, a lot of the people in this uh, film club that were just, you know, they were just all friends that were had a passion from for film, whether it was just purely like entertainment or if it was political or if it was just like they wanted to get into movie making. Um, so Bong Joon-ho is pretty much the only one that I really recognized. I think a couple of them uh, had been actors and stuff, but um, yeah, it uh, it's kind of, it's pretty short. It's like under 90 minutes, but yeah, it's kind of just about um, this gang of, of kids in South Korea who were very passionate about film and, you know, it's early nineties and, um, it's South Korea, which I could imagine probably is a little bit harder to come across films, uh, especially back in the day when there wasn't really like video stores and stuff, at least not in, uh, South Korea. So they get into sort of like how they were able to get all these movies. I guess Bong Joon-ho was kind of like the guy that really was able to find a lot of movies and essentially they would take in movies and he would be the bootlegger type of guy. So he would like make copies and copies and copies of movies. It's a good nickname. Uh, to show, yeah, to show uh, at the film club. And then they would discuss and like do writing and like talks and stuff about it. And they ended up making a, I think maybe just one issue uh, of a zine. But um, yeah, I think this took place over several years. Um, not 100% sure how long uh, they were doing this for, but apparently around the time in South Korea, there was a lot of these sort of like, you know, film film clubs or film groups or cinematechs or whatever. Um, so they get into sort of like a bunch of other uh, groups and sort of some of the movies that they made that look really cool. There's one that looked kind of like a uh, homage to Taxi Driver. Um, I kind of wish they got into a little like naming more sort of like titles of South Korean stuff that like we may not have heard of before. Um, you know, I think a lot of us know the, uh, you know, the big ones, um, from South Korean, uh, directors, but, uh, yeah, it would have been cool if they sort of like delved into that a little more, but, uh, yeah, everyone in the movie is like probably in their fifties or sixties now or something. So it's kind of just a lot of, uh, them sort of like reminiscing about how they were very like they sort of like make fun of themselves like as like teens or early twenties and sort of like how like idealistic they were and sort of like, you know, <clears throat> so they'd like sort of like make fun of some of their writing. So it's kind of a, I don't know, it's just cool and fun to like watch them sort of reminisce. You could tell that they had like really good friendships and chemistry and stuff. And a lot of it is shot through uh, like FaceTime or like a zoom or something. So there's, I have a feeling it was probably made during the pandemic or at least started during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's, it's really light. It's, uh, informational, informational, uh, not incredibly informational, but yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> what <laughs> make up your mind. Like, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I wish it could have sort of like delved deeper. It's like sort of surface level a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah. Everyone in the movie. Yeah. Like I said, they're, they're fun, cool characters. Um, and I, I kind of wanted a little more from it, but, uh, it was cool to see, uh, they show shots from Bong Joon-ho's first short, uh, which I talked about called Looking for Paradise, and it's like stop motion. Um, so there's a bunch of stop motion stuff in it. There's like a uh, like a worm and sort of like a... Uh, Gross. That he's like, <laughs> yeah, doing all the stop motion with. And uh, you just, they sort of like framed the documentary around that. And I guess uh, it had been, they shot it on eight millimeter and it had been in a box for like 30 years. So part of the documentary is him like, opening it up and like them sort of like seeing the movie again or seeing parts of it. And I guess only a couple of them had seen it cause they just 
showed it at like a, uh, just one of their sort of like meetings, one of their film club meetings. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's a bummer. That feels like the perfect vehicle to get into like the drama or the inner working of the group and like the relationships. But when he, when, when you say it's like surface level, I am instantly reminded of that residence documentary. Yeah. The, what, what the fuck was that called? Theory of obscurity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So fucking lame. Good You're, name. It's a good name. And good then title. It, we had that cool weekend where it came out with the um, Mad Tiger documentary, which was fantastic. Yeah, Cinema Verte. Away. And and it's like, dude, the whole band is mystery and like avant-garde art. It's almost like it teased an in-depth David Lynch documentary. And then he's there and he's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. Also, to have a movie as your opening act I, about <laughs> you... But not but about not, you not because about no you. one knows who you are. Yeah. But it's very clear that you're in the movie talking about you, but not as you. Yeah. I know. Your your conspiracy theory. Was that ever like confirmed? I no, but it has to be. I yeah. It was them. And then you get general admission seats and they put out folding chairs in the middle of a concert venue. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And like, then also I'm responsible for getting the tickets and I get horrible seats. Dude, my neck. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> I think my neck, neck still hurts. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't know. It's a bummer, Randy, because that does sound like a really interesting thing, but it got picked up by Netflix, right? I think so. It, I think they produced it. Um, okay. Which then, makes sense. Like, there's a lot of Korean, like, television and dramas and stuff on Netflix that I hear is, like, incredibly huge. Oh, yeah. a big audience, so. A lot of money in Korea. Well, Korea's, you know, um, again, just for clarification, we're talking about South Korea. They uh, have kind of a grip on global culture right now. Like yeah. they're doing, I mean, if it yeah. weren't for Taylor Swift, we'd be out of the running. But well, also, I, I don't know why I brought her up, but I got to mention, yeah. you know how much money she made from that tour, right? No. You got to, got to guess. Couple hundred grand. Four bill. No, she didn't. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's a, a actually, she's responsible for our, our economy. Well, she's got a, yeah, but no, she's no, got no. A, a fair amount of overhead. Our economy was affected by it. There are, there are towns that she raised. Just from that one show, they're like 325 million <laughs> for a weekend. Yeah. So it's like, uh, fucking nuts. The average concert goer, $1,700 they spent. Well, that's what's, well, why is gas $7 a <laughs> Riddle me that. I don't know. I saw that the other day. I'm like, what? That's insane. Oh my God. It's <laughs> brutal, dude. Yeah, it's rough. Inflation's still a thing, too. Again, I don't know why I pivoted What's there. That? You try to buy groceries lately? Dude. It's insane. That, why do you think we're eating Costco? No, I'm sorry. Not Costco. 7-Eleven pizza for three days. That's a scary thought. Well, that's another story. I don't know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you can make better choices than that. Hey, you know what? Uh, the, the rumor was dispelled. Again, I keep saying Costco. Costco's like your go-to. Costco got rid of their combo. It's only cheese and pepperoni now there. Mm. Times are tough. <laughs> but 7-Eleven, they got the all meat. They still got a hot dog. I think they, yeah, they got a glizzy over there. No, no, <laughs> no, -uh. nope, not doing it. Come on. We're anti-glizzy. No, we're pro-glizzy. No, no, no. I've lived my whole life without even hearing of a glizzy. And a couple of fucking people escape out of the Detro greater Detroit area. And then <laughs> now they claim that hot do all hot dogs are called glizzies. No, fuck off. Fuck yourself. Take that down the street. Fucking hot dogs. Dude, it's well, a Mandela no, effect. No, it's it's always been a glizzy. glizzy. Wait, well, you think there's actually a dog in mm. there, bro? A thin glizzy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it. 
All right, Randy Michael, how many stars out of 12 for the Yellow Door 90s Lo-Fi Film Club? Uh, out of 12, let's go like, uh, I don't know, a solid seven. I was Ooh. Seven was at the tip of my tongue. It goes down smooth. You know, it's a, it's a good, easy watch. Um, but yeah, like I said, it feels like there's probably more history to get into. Into uh, I kind of wanted a deeper dive into South Korean cinema and stuff, which I guess this is a very like localized one small group that they're talking about. So I guess it, I don't know, kind of makes sense. But I don't, dude, Randy, I'm there with you because I think when you look at the nuance of like a small group in Korea, you find that we're all the same, brother. And on top of that, I think it's really just a marketing ploy for Netflix to kind of have like a broad yeah. cultural thing. Like anybody can get into that. Yeah. It's like, no, we want to, we want to know what they were doing after the movies when they were hitting the acid and taking the shrooms and grabbing the boobs and stuff. That's what I want to watch. You know, look, man, it's, it's the time of the Korean. <laughs> That's what I've always said. <laughs> you know, so everybody's got a spotlight and it's their, it's their spotlight. You know? Joe Coy tried to do it for the Filipinos. I forgot. How was he doing? I think he died. Is that sequel coming out? I think He's he drowned there. with Matthew Perry. I should watch that movie. What was that called? Sunday School? What was it? <laughs> I think First so. Sunday? I think so, yeah. First Sunday, I think. Something like that. Also, I'm going to watch that next week. Great joke I came with up with before we started recording. Uh, when referencing the death of Matthew Perry, which everybody... I, You know, as a All conspiracy right, theory, it's... <laughs> I'm a little offended that y'all want to join the bandwagon when Matthew Perry drowns. Everybody, the first thing is like, that's how he died? Like, nobody's like, oh, damn, I miss him already. It's like, he drowned? Oh, really? Well, somebody, again, you know how things can be uh, manufactured very easily. But someone uh, retweeted a tweet from like 2019 uh -oh. and said something like, if I were Chandler Bing, was that his name? from <laughs> Oksana? The show? Yes. Okay. If, if I were Chandler Bing, I would fake my own death during a war and say I drowned in a jacuzzi and then moved to, I don't know, Spain or something. Oh, I was just going to say fake his own death. But did, is that how he drowned in a jacuzzi? Oksana? I've just seen that he drowned. But to be fair, to be? the to be. posts I've seen about it, um, people are saying like, oh, I'm so Foul sad. play. Bad oh, boo. No, I first, when you said a tweet from a couple years ago, I thought you were going to say hashtag Clinton body count. And <laughs> that's that's my theory is that he got maybe he was on a plane going to Epstein's Island and uh, he was getting a little chatty. Well, Randy's our resident expert on uh, the Lolita Express. Randy, was he, <laughs> was he on the flight logs? I don't know, but I think I'm more of a Chandler Google guy. What? Uh, Chandler yeah, yeah. Bing. Oh my god, dude! Okay. Also, uh, when in you reference, need to bring back the throw up sound. I don't know; it's on a different page. Uh, <laughs> when referencing, when your friend inevitably brings it up again, this might be too late. It's going to be Halloween when this. Air. Oh, spooky, spooky joke coming! Incoming spooky joke. Just tell them all my friends are dead. <laughs> One of the friends is dead. There, thank you. I needed that momentum. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, man. That was uh, weird. Boy, his death? Yeah. No, we can move on. Nobody cares. Was, he was rude. He was on Friends. If he was a Seinfeld yeah, character. Say, yeah, but he also, I don't know. He looked. He always looked a little bloated. <laughs> <laughs> it 
Okay. And now he's dead. Yeah. There, there we go. Thank you so much. Favorite song. All right. Randy Michael. Yes, sir. I also Keep, watched. Yeah. yeah. There it is. I watched a, a movie that we'll both talk about, but just before that, I did watch a movie called Slother House that I did not care for. What? And that's all I'm what? Saying. Randy? What? <laughs> Randy, wow. I could have warned you. <laughs> yeah. Why did you put that on? Wait, Kyle Slaughterhouse? Oh, <laughs> why did you watch this? What happened? I, you know, I didn't expect it to be great, but I thought it might be goofy and maybe a little bit fun, but it's very like PG-13 and like even the like, it's not really even like fun, like gore or kills really. And it's, uh, it's a lot of like flashy, like social media stuff, like text on screen and, uh, a really like, you know, pretty color palette in a lot of parts. And yeah, I, I wasn't for it. So again, I, from what I, cause I watched the trailer a couple of times and I hate to hear you say that. Cause it does look like a lot of fun. Yeah. A sorority house gets a sloth as their new mascot and then turns their back on him. So he murders them. I think it's the premise. Right? How do you Something turn your like back that? on yeah. a sloth? I think they're just like, that's dumb. Uh, <laughs> so they just leave him like out. They kick him out of the house and then he kills them. From from the the horror world, I thought this was a movie that could only the only thing this movie had to do was be better than Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, and that bar yeah. was really low. Or the Carousel, the one where the Carousel horse is killing people, it just was boring. Nobody knows Carousel. Carousel, I believe the title oh, was. Yeah, good nice. title. Love the concept. Incredibly boring. Yeah, I mean, I also I feel like that's a type of movie in its own right. Where the movie is built around the title. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah very Corman. Yeah, I get it. And it's uh, like Blood and Honey. There is very Corman. They did uh, one theater night. Asylum. They had like one night where you could go see it and they gave you like a pen yeah. or something. Which, I mean, is the only way I guess you would want to watch it. Get high, <laughs> go out, you know, debauchery. Hell yeah. Debauchery. Brother. Have a puppet follow you home. All right, so Randy, how many uh, stars out of 12 for Slaughterhouse? I, I have a, I have a number it. in my head. I think I gave it two out of five. So whatever that is. Five? Two out of five while uh, checking it's like five. the chart. It's like five. Yeah. Although knowing Randy, it's probably more like a four. Yeah, four and a half. Yeah, probably. That's fine. There's no half. We do, we do halves. There's not fucking halves in the we 12 We do halves, baby. And for anybody uh, keeping track, Randy's last movie, he rated it a seven, which would actually be a 2.33 on the four star rating. Two point pee pee. <laughs> idiot so one of the reasons i wanted slother house is because i wanted something a little lighter than what i watched the night before daddy which is a uh, argentinian movie called when evil lurks which oh, is, is this a, from uh, argentina it is very nice uh damien rugna i think is his name and uh yeah i guess this is a retread i don't know if you have a stinger or anything well we do oh a stinger would be good <laughs> Sorry, Randy. You know, we have that car ready and we just wave a flag out the window to let them know to drive down the street. And I, I misplaced the flag. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, uh, a movie that Russell talked about, what, two, three weeks ago? Something like that? I think so. Yeah, I caught two it. Two weeks it, ago? Uh, actually, it was Friday the 13th. That was me and Oksana. We, I was watching TV. We, we snuck a date night. Oh, uh, yeah. And we went out and had a uh, wonderful time having... Just brought a child into the earth, watching one of the most gruesome deaths ever a child committed. into the earth. <laughs> <laughs> he buried him immediately. 
Sure. See, this was playing one AMC near me. Uh, oh, congrats. At least, at least a couple of weeks ago it was. But, uh, you know. Well, zero I, hot dogs would be found there. Unbelievable. <laughs> I had an AMC hot dog uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was and, how, and how disappointing. Well, you take that glizzy and you shove it. It was fine. It wasn't what it used to be, though, was it? It's better than, I don't know if I've ever really had many uh, AMC theater hot dogs in the past. Randy, oh, well, then I, I, I'm saddened for you because let me tell you something, friend. When you've been to the top, AMC hot dogs yeah, are right there. It is true. They were known as the Glizzy Goat. I think it's, <laughs> I think they're I saw better hot than dog the, uh, the, the Landmark Theaters. I believe the Albany Twin uh, is where I had uh, a hot dog, but I mm-hmm. ate it dry because I was high. <laughs> And it was really bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, if, if memory serves, the landmark, they do the Nathans, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think they do Nathans. <laughs> they would always pop them in the microwave. Randy eating a dry hot dog is one of the saddest things. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw Billy with the flat tire, dude. Now, Randy, what, what do you put on a movie hot dog? Usually some mustard and some relish. Maybe some ketchup. Russ? Um, whatever they Ketchup got. only? No, whatever they have. Sometimes I won't go ketchup. It depends on how um, how much I'm entertaining whatever diet I'm currently sporting. That's fair. Yeah. Oksana, what about you? Um, I really like mustard and barbecue together, but I'll do a ketchup and mustard. Barbecue? I do that on a on a hot link. I'll mix it a little but bit. But do they have, like if you go to a movie theater, are they going to have barbecue sauce? I think I just do everything. So mustard, ketchup, and relish. Yeah. Jalapeno, if they have them, but you know that's still they're still reeling from COVID. They hide all that shit. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, because it's just it's just, it, COVID is just symbolism for laziness. Yeah, yeah. that's all it is. <laughs> Especially in the customer service industry, pisses me off. Do your job, stupid assholes. The Clark Little rant of the day. <laughs> yeah, it's like a fart for your face. <laughs> all right, Randy. So yeah, I heard this movie was good from Russell and also my uh, cousin who grew up watching a lot of horror movies. Him and I text back and forth about horror movies or just movies in general. Do you listen to this show? Is he the Final Destination guy? He is, yeah. Yeah. He has a uh, Evil Dead tattoo, probably some other horror-related tattoos as well. Okay. Do you get a Pokemon too? No. I don't have a horror tattoo, thank you very much. I don't, you have a Pokemon. Damn. Yeah. Oh, but damn, what I, you think I'm a cookie cutter, Randy? I don't know. I fit possible. right in them. <laughs> if you were if you were to get a horror tattoo, what would you get? I would get a phone with Donald Duck's beef coming out of the, the receiver. Okay. Yeah. So glad it's I asked a complicated uh concept because it has to be. I have to have riddles all over my body. <laughs> but it would you know, it would uh mark um I'd have a riddle box. My one of my favorite films from Fulshi. Ah, yeah, yes. Yeah. And I like the cartoon thing I was going with, but tattoos, I don't, I don't know if they cost a lot. You're <laughs> over it? <laughs> Just Photoshop one on. Take a hip picture and put one on me. All right, Randy, so what'd you think? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. But yeah, like I said, uh, my, my cousin texted me and I had, you know, heard Russell talk about it and I heard it's pretty fucked up, pretty mean movie. And then my cousin saw it and he was like, yo, do you know about this movie? And I was like, I do. He's like, I just watched it. It's like, let me know what you think or like text me while you're watching it. Uh, so, you know, I, I texted him a couple of times during some very uh, unexpected events in the first 15, 20 minutes. 
Um, I thought it was overall pretty good. I liked, you know, seeing a different sort of cultures sort of like take on like demons and mythology and stuff. And uh, yeah, like I said, the gore is done pretty well. And there's some very uh, upsetting things that happen. And uh, yeah, you know, at a certain point you realize like no one is safe in the movie and you kind of feel just that anything could happen. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's very bleak and very, uh, very mean movie. I could have used, I don't know, maybe a little something like I was thinking about this cause I, I was texting Nick, my cousin back. And, uh, I was like, have you ever seen the house that Jack built? Cause it's on Hulu and it's also like pretty fucked up, but it's also like funny. I feel like I, when it comes to like, I appreciate this movie and I think it's done really well, but I don't know if I would watch it again, just because like, I feel like I need another, another element there. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not always in the mood to watch something that's just completely like bleak a hundred percent. Do you feel that way about Haneke? Like Michael Haneke movies? Um, sort of. I mean, even funny games has sort of some maybe darkly comedic stuff in there. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause when I watched when evil lyrics, um, I was trying to talk to people about it, like just try and pick their brain. And I, I believe Robbie Smith was saying there was a lot of humor in there. And I'm like, you know, I get it. There's kind of like genre humor. It's kind of like a buddy movie, but uh, you know, of tragedy. Sure. And yeah. I'm like, I missed it in the theater. I was not living in the comedy element yeah. of that movie, but yeah. I could see it. Like if you watch it again, there's, a couple jokes <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah. of the, the like driest, bleakest, darkest variety. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I dug it. All right. I'm going to jump in here. I think this is a dadgum masterpiece. Cool. I very much enjoyed uh, this. I think, yeah, this one's going to bang around in your head for a while. Uh, this is one of the better movies I've seen this year. I enjoyed everything about it. Um, this is from the writer-director of Terrified. I very much enjoyed Terrified when I saw that. Uh, was uh, I saw that as a part of uh, Fantastic uh, Fest Satellite back when they, yeah. uh, Alamo was doing that. And, uh, God, was it 2017? That, that was a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2017. Uh, I, and I, I really liked Terrified. And uh, I knew that this guy could, you know, he could bring the spookies and uh, spookies were brought, my friend. I'm telling you that there is a hereditary level of shock that I got in one scene in this. And I, I, I feel like hereditary is the best way, probably the most recent example of like something that happens where you're like, Oh, it wakes you up. Yeah. Happens immediately. And, um, I needed I needed to take a little break after uh, what happens involving uh, a dog in this movie. Yeah, that's really. Yeah. I mean that I I lost my breath for a second because <laughs> it just the way the the way that the, he shot that was perfect. Yeah, because it was never in focus. You're focusing in on um, the child watching this happen to his sister, and it is horrific the the best part about that moment and again if you haven't watched this it's not a spoiler when it's about to happen you know and that's like there's nothing you can that's do. where the horror <laughs> kind of comes from like you know it's gonna happen which is brutal because i was sitting there with oxana like 
trying to shrink into my seat. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to. Yeah. And then the way it's filmed is just, just, it's not like overly grotesque, but, no. but it is horrific. Yeah. And it lingers. Yeah. I don't know. Masterful film. And, um, it, it, it no, uh, it, it's, and the, I mean, there's a lot of kid horror in yeah. this. And I think, especially, you know, at, at the end, uh, you know, well, we've all seen it. Can we talk about Brutal. it a little bit? I'd like to go yeah. into like spoiler territory. So sure. the main thing that I was reading initially when I watched it was that this was propaganda for the church. And I'm like, I didn't really get that. I think the movie is articulating a, well, a like reality where maybe people aren't as faith driven anymore. And I, again, I think that that definitely could be something tied more to uh, the Argentinian culture yeah. or even South American, you know, Latin culture as well, because, you know, the, it, it is deeply tied to Catholicism. Oh, for sure. Uh, so, you know, speaking of, and, you know, Randy's the, the, the lone lapsed Catholic here. <laughs> um, I'm, I play on a different team uh, on the Protestant side. So, um, you know, and, and that's the interesting thing about, I'm jumping all over the place, but that's, that's the interesting thing about, you know, watching, um, a foreign language movie that sort of is delving into that. I didn't necessarily take it that way. It definitely could be. Um, I took it. So there's, there's a distinction because, because they always say that, you know, the ongoing theme is that God is dead Yeah. because of the sickness that has entered the village. And so the movie opens up where, um, we've got two guys who are, they work for the sheriff's department or whatever, some local government like agency local, yeah. and they're doing health checkups and they do a health checkup on someone. And, uh, then it turns into, you know, commentary on the political system there about how they were a year behind getting to this appointment because they filed the request for someone to come out and visit them a year ago and they just get there and it is uh foobar as they say uh fucked up beyond all recognition there's nothing they could do and they say well this guy is you know he's he's infected he's you know and um we're fucked i you know i think it's important the word they use which is rotten yeah. like in cuz it's a possession movie but they call him rotten and what i took from that was a call to like the lack of religion and kind of not being morally accountable for anything. So he's living with his grandma for over a year. And she's like, well, I've just been taking care of him. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't do anything to them or else it will spread. And what I took was like, it's almost like his, he's possessed of like being lazy. Yeah. Like he's just become a bad person. Yeah. And they're like, well, if you kick him out, we're only spreading this shit. But he does have a silver tongue. Yeah, which I mean, I I honestly in my life know a couple of people who are complete leeches to their family yeah. who are likable people. And it's kind of like how they make it work. A hundred percent. And I think yeah. this movie, Hi, Dad. This <laughs> this movie is kind of like a Cohen Brothers genre film of uh we're anchored to people who make bad decisions and it affects their whole family and yeah. then their town. And you know, I, I think it's important that the genre shit is really paid attention to here because we open up and we find half a body and there's a briefcase with some shit in it. That a, was a clean cut, half a clean a cut. And he's got a briefcase or whoever they were. And it seems like they almost had like a fucking astro astrolabe or something like some weird telescope. 
And it's kind of a theme throughout the movie that this is how you fix the problem. Yeah. But it never gets executed. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think, is that a shot at like science? Like they came in here with their gadget and then it just, it takes so long to set up. That's how it goes. And the, the people who are trained to do it just, they're alone and they get, yeah. And don't follow instructions. Yeah, dude. But on, it was a really cool kind of like Lovecraftian yeah. nod too. Yeah. Because as a genre fan. Everything works. The script is great. Dude, so um, The production, everything. Um, and also uh, the the goat scene at the beginning oh, yeah. with the axe. I mean, that's your poster. Oh, man. You know? What did you like about the, uh, the brain-damaged son? I felt like there was a little bit of something being said there, too. I thought, I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, when they showed his hands and about how the demon you know, doesn't know how to, you know interact to deal with the mind yeah but yet something happens at the end of the film and i almost thought that was a again if you've seen it i really don't want to spoil it the movie's really good but at the end of the movie uh he partakes in a foul act and i almost thought that was an expression of like how taking care of somebody like that can like be it for your life and it's just like it ultimately consumed the person who was left to do that literally and I'm like, is this some like clever metaphor play? Or again, I can hear you. Don't DM me. Y'all always say you're looking too into it. <laughs> They're just dead. Yeah. No, this is what I do. This is what I, I like film for this reason. And I think that's a pretty clever literal play there. Yeah. No, I, I love everything about it. It's 12 out of 12. Yeah. It's such a good movie. Brutal too. And um, I would definitely rewatch it. So Randy, what would you rate it? Nine. Nine out of 12. That's good. Yeah. That's pretty strong. Yeah. I definitely thought you would go lower. Um, yeah. I, do you uh, agree with my shorthand review? Or I'm like, it's like uh, Bloomhouse hired Michael Haneke <laughs> to make a movie. <laughs> you know, it, it felt very much um, sort of it follows-y in, yeah. in terms of the possession sort of uh, manifesting in different iterations, um, which... Kind of keeps you off balance. And mm -hmm. I think that that's good as well. Also, I will say that there's a very clear exposition dump that's happening, uh, which kind of, and done, but there is, when? it's I, done in two creative ways. I don't remember. It was yeah. all with the grandmother because the grandmother oh, yeah, yeah. becomes like the, the assassin for the dude. One of the best moments is, you know, there's seven rules you have to follow. Yes. And that was, that was great. <laughs> It was great how they, they layered that in. But it's also a shot at horror movies. 100%. And yeah. I thought it was so perfect. Yeah. I thought it was great. And, and she doesn't remember them. And also, <laughs> I just feel like things feel more important in a different language. I mean, that's the argument I've always made about foreign film. Like, if, if this were American, you would not give a fuck. Because there's so many people who like it a just, foreign horror it movie. Adds, it adds an extra thing. Well, I think you have to read. So you have to pay attention. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm saying specifically though with the um, the construction of how they did this, but also you know the execution of of the exposition was perfect of how they layered it in of her telling her grandson um, who oh, yeah, was yeah. clueless about the whole thing of you know the seven things that you cannot do with this demon, um, good, providing us some backstory, and then also uh, when she's both of these exposition dubs happen in the car, by the way. Um, Which I couldn't help but feel like they were going to be in a car accident but she at was, any point. I, I, she was great. 
And honestly, she kind of felt like a legacy character in a franchise yeah. that never existed. She reminded me too much of my mom. It was kind of freaking yeah. me out. I was like, I don't like this. And I hope like, I'm like, this movie's so brutal that I yeah. don't really want to see her meet her fate. But uh, yeah, watch the movie. Find out how my mom gets it. And also, I mean, <laughs> and how, well, how she does get it was just, again, just very good writing. Uh, of how that happens because it's just follow instructions, man. Also, funny how Randy, you're like, I wish there was more comedy. Have you have? Did you watch Terrified? No. Lots of comedy. Really? <laughs> it, it's an effective movie. And um, Clark, you know, you mentioned the possessions kind of having like no formal rules to it. It's very Evil Dead in that way. Like the Deadites are always kind of appearing in different forms. Yeah. And uh, in Terrified, it's very Evil Dead too. Like I, I remember a lot of comedy in that cool. movie, which kind of kept me from really fully loving it. But yeah, yeah, I'm glad y'all dug it. It was great. Are we anything else? Uh, no, that's it. All right. Uh, well, I got another. Uh, cue it up, Russ. We got another retread, baby. Oh shit! All right, do we have another car ready? <laughs> Spend all our budget. <laughs> it's everybody retread. Yeah, it's unfortunately, uh, we live in a court, so the house at the end of the street just gets pummeled. Oh, man. It's our own little uh, car car hinge. Yeah, it's our own dubstep. What was that podcast? The Hub Dub? What? The one that you mentioned earlier? The Hoover, the Hoover, the Hoover <laughs> Garage? Hoovies. Hoovies, yeah. I was close. Garage. I had like eight more attempts before YouTube's I dumbest car channel. When two girls disappear into the woods and return three days later with, with no cup. memory. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, who was there? Was a ghost. When two girls disappear into the woods and return three days later with no memory of what happened to them, the father of one girl seeks out Chris McNeil, who has been forever altered by what happened to her daughter 50 years ago. I saw it. The Exorcist Believer. Did it make you one? Uh, how many people wrote on this dead gun movie? Peter Sattler, David Gore, Green, Scott Teams. All right, so we got three writers. Uh, McBride just, oh, yeah. McBride too. There are five people. Four people. Yep. Mercy. <laughs> well, all right, here's the deal. What is this currently tomatoing at? I, it, it is very low tomatoes. I think like 23 tomatoes out of 100 tomatoes. Uh, it's at 22%. 22. But that's the critic review. What no. is what is the audience? What got a guess? I'm going to say 80. 59. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. It ain't that bad. No, it's not. It's not that bad. Yep. It's not that bad. Also, I, Randy, you said that you were out from the beginning with the bad CG with the earthquake? Pretty much, yeah. I that didn't bother me at all. Really? I And I was trying to look for it. I was like, well, here's the other thing. Also, we had an earthquake here on, uh, what was that, yesterday or two yesterday, days ago? Yeah, I yeah. Um, it, I looked, the epicenter was at SFO. Yeah, it was very close. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Randy, we hit, it, I think it hit like a 3.9 or 4. Yeah, uh, I saw my buddy was watching uh, Killers of the Flower Moon uh, during the earthquake. Oh. At they Tamper come out Oh. The land right was there. getting revenge. Gagagoo. <laughs> <laughs> We should have named all the tribes before the screening. <laughs> but no, I, yeah, that, that didn't bother me at all. Um, 
What do I want to say about this? <laughs> I feel like, well, first of all, um, the dad of the the white girl, the the white dad, uh, I like him a lot. The original title of the movie, by the way. The actor, can you, uh, Randy, what's my guy's name? He's from in uh, Bloodline or whatever, right? Yeah, from Bloodline. He was the, he was the, the boat brother. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. Uh, Norbert Leo Butts. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. Dude, this guy rules. Um, they didn't give him a whole lot to do here. Um, the other dad, he was fine. Everybody said, the girls are great. I like the girls. The story, here's my problem with the story. I don't know. I wanted more information of what they were doing out there in these woods. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why didn't we get why didn't we get a little bit more of that? I think well, okay. Because I feel like that's an important thing. I think the perspective is kind of from the parent. I know, and I don't like that. So the horror is what was my kid doing? And you know, me and Oksana were like, why are all these movies like parent-centric now? And I think it might be because millennials have gotten older than 30 and now they're trying to like crunch time children. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that we made we hit that wave at the right time, but it it didn't really help the movie because I'm kind of interested in what they were doing too. Hundred percent. Cool, uh, coolest location of the movie. There's no question. I feel like that was. Uh, I guess it was a marketing thing. I I don't know what they were thinking of like focusing the story on yeah you know, from the parents' perspective. I don't know. That just seems like a studio note. To it me. felt like the beginning of a big trilogy. Where there's a lot of shit we're trying to lay out. And then it just felt disconnected and like. That was the thing. It's like, I, we need, I needed a better seed of what was happening other than what was going on in Haiti. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I know. That didn't, I, 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 I don't know. I just feel like when the other girl came into the picture, I needed more, you know, from the, I, I needed a better starter. For the bread. That un- that other family was completely two-dimensional. Yeah. they yeah. did, that, And that was a shame because, like I said, uh, what's my, go- my guy's name? Ken Butts, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's tight. He's a good actor. Um, they don't give them anything to There's do. Nothing. Yeah. But I liked the church scene where she goes nuts in the church. I thought that was pretty decent. I liked the neighbor. The, the neighbor. The redemption neighbor who was a closeted nun. Oh, Kevin. Kevin. I, I liked her. She's from The Leftovers. Um, <laughs> she shows them a lot of things. She goes, Kevin. That's how she talks. Uh, she's also in Hereditary. Oh, okay. She, you know, she's the uh, she's the witch in Hereditary. Oh, I didn't remember. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, I don't and know. Dowd is her name. I um, Recently, the East Bay cinematographers, both Jasadi Perkins and Josh Engel, really liked this movie. So it's not bad. I it's just I try to tell people the thing is when you bring in horror fans, you got to ride the cultural momentum. And if you're going to bring back The Exorcist, it really had to hit. So even though I agree this movie's kind of whatever, I think it failed in that regard. Dude, completely. It failed in that regard. Um and it's just uh yeah, um but it did succeed. I mean, it's 2 hours. Mm-hmm. A little long. That's a little long, especially when we spend zero time in the woods. You know, we need more time in the woods, less time in Haiti, less time doing whatever we were doing. Um, 
Now, when I tying in the so so basically when when the two girls you know they come back one go um, thank you so much they're missing in the woods for three days mm-hmm. so it turns into you know sort of a child missing sort of situation and then three days later the girls just come back but it's clear that uh, there's something wrong with the girls mm-hmm. and and they well <laughs> that's step one it definitely felt like this movie could have been but they were barefoot and they're like something happened with their feet. <laughs> And they're like, well, it turns out they were walking for 30 miles. Turns out they're hooves. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, then they're like, you know, and the parents don't know. And see, and, and you know, to your point is that, you know, the perspective then comes from, you know, the parents' side um, wondering what has happened to their child for three days, uh, which would be a, a natural, you know, horrific thing to to go through. Now, when we start trying to figure out how to get these demons out of these little girls, they kind of uh, are throwing everything up against the wall to see what sticks. So they kind of, they they want to go down two different paths. So um, the endowed, uh, the nurse ex-nun, um, she's bringing in the Catholic priest. But then the father, of uh, uh, the black child, what's his, what's, what's his name? AMDB. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr.? Leslie Odom Jr., yes. Again, you know who's top billed in this? Fisherman number one. Yeah, <laughs> Fortune Joseph. Nothing against Fortune Joseph. he had an important role. Fisherman. What are we doing? <laughs> Fucking stupid. They probably blame COVID, too. <laughs> Assholes. All right. They changed the whole color of the, the, so when you go there, it's got one of those like, Hey, this movie's out right now. IMDb looks fancy. And then, yeah, I I hate it so much. Randy, can we start a competitive, uh, a competitor to IMDb? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Let's, uh, put money into something else. We won't make money on. (laughs) So, so he, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character decides that he's going to take the more, uh, non-traditional side he's going to find you know uh, for lack of a better term we're going the voodoo route okay and then when the priest finds out that we're going the voodoo route he's like no ma'am no thank you i got nothing to do with this god bless you here's my bible (laughs) take that good luck sweetheart and so he fucks off and then we start going the voodoo route and then things start getting a little weird, and we think that we're fucked, and then here comes the priest. And guess what? He found another Bible. <laughs> so then he's got the backup Bible, and he's doing the thing, and all oh, things are cooking. Things are looking great. And then I, I like how they killed the priest. I thought that was good. With oh, my the whole God. Neck it was twist. goofy. I, don't, I liked it. I don't know. He went, but <laughs> No, I'm, I'm completely missing over um, the, the legacy uh, what Reagan sort of crowbar that we do here? How did you feel about that? Uh, I rolled my eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they hurt my head. It, I rolled them. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, it's such a hallmark of like Blumhouse, though. It it was honestly, I think it was a little bit better than the um last Insidious movie where uh, Lynn Shea showed up again. It's like, won't you go away? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does feel forced. Ellen Burstyn, how old is she? Nine hundred and six years old. I don't know. And then they then they cut her eyes out. I know. 
That was kind of gnarly. I should have just killed her. Didn't she blame the patriarchy in it too? <laughs> Always. I mean, she should have. This movie was a call for like a uh, disregard of paganism and equality among all religion. That whole, you, yeah. it's like, no, no, they, they uh, look down on this magic, but really it's the same magic as Christian magic. Yeah. It's like, what are we talking about? And then the CG smoke fought. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> and then, all right. So, so the demon cuts out her eyeballs. And so then she's, she's galled up for the rest of the movie. <laughs> We'll get back to her at the end. I'm spoiling the whole thing. Who cares? Um, the the priest dies, and then the demon's like, "All right, priest, my priest." And then the demon's like, "All right, y'all got to make a choice. <laughs> you tell us which kid we're gonna say you're gonna save because the other one's gotta die." And then the parents, you know, they don't, but they don't say it. They agree not to. They agree not They're to. Like, we can't pick one. It's not fair, and we need to both come out of this. Exactly. Until <laughs> one of the parents is like, you know what? We need to move this third act along. And you know who that was? My boy, Norbert Leo Butts. <laughs> who is currently cowering around a Cow- corner. <laughs> he literally, he was behind a wall on the other side. And then he just turns around. He says, I choose you, Catherine, who is the name of his daughter. Oh, my God. And then demons do what demons do. They fucking lied. They shamalined his ass. And I'll tell you, my favorite scene of the movie <laughs> is is when we we go to the perspective of the girl who's trapped inside her own body with the demon. Uh-huh. And it's like she's in a um she's in a very narrow tunnel, but it's like, you know, concrete wall, but it's like a um like a sewer or something, yeah, like you know. Pennywise lives there. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, kind of. And then she's she's she hears her she hears her father in the background saying, "I choose you, Catherine." He's like, "Daddy, daddy." And then the demon comes up from the water. "I choose you, Catherine." And then like a thousand arms grab her and pull. Her. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> that was so. Du- it, was, it was like. <laughs> It was the best moment of have your cake and eat it too, because we both, we got to uh, do what the movie wanted to from the very beginning, which was white dad bad. Yeah. And then we got to like, also like punish him in the same. It was just more white dad uninteresting. Dude, the whole family though. Yeah. They didn't do anything. Yeah. And they were most of the cast. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm not against. It's just like, man, give us some better characters here. What the fuck? Like, not necessarily them either. Like, give uh, the dad a friend or something. Like, bring in some more people. Thank you for being a friend. Yeah. All my friends are dead, if you haven't heard. Mm, gotta go. We had a large jacuzzi and they all went. Oh, too rude. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, look, here's the thing. This is fine. Uh, I'll split this right down the middle, 6 at 12. Okay. That's uh fail if you're in school. Oh, well, not in modern school. I I'll round up. Best. 7 at 12. Okay. Because I would go 6.5, but you don't believe in half, so I'll no. go 7. Um, thank you for that. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm, uh, yeah, I, honestly, I think that's the only way you can go with this. It's like, it's not a bad movie, but it's a fucking exorcist. You should have done more. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I, from that standpoint, it's like a 4. Oh, dude. Oh. But from a movie, it's okay. So I got attacked by both the East Bay cinematographers for, like, talking, I don't know, man about this movie. And uh, Josh, my buddy, he went deep. And he started talking about how they were they were gonna 
reimagine Pazuzu, who I guess in the Bible isn't always completely evil. And then Ishtar was like a female representation who's like more evil. Good film. And they had a 10 foot. Was that the, was that the demon in this movie? Ishtar? Or is that so. the failure of a movie then? That's a failure. Okay. Of a movie. I, can't I don't remember. believe Ishtar is the name <laughs> of a demon. Well, for, for today it is. And then, so I guess David Gordon Green had a 10 foot Ishtar built. Like oh. that was going to be in the movie, but they cut it last minute and they were planning for the sequel to have it. And there was all these practical effects. And currently, uh, Josh texted me and said, I could not find any pictures on Reddit of Ishtar. So he's waiting for somebody to leak these photos, which honestly might be the only thing they can do is be like, hey, we got more planned. Don't worry. It's going to get good. I'll tell you right now, I'm completely like, like I probably watch it because I watch all horror movies, but the rest of them. Yeah. But other than that, I don't see any reason to go. And especially you think you think Green's coming back? Well, I don't know. I think. I think he's gone. I don't know because I don't know how he's well, got other movies lined up too. I don't so. know how well this one's done. It did bad. Yeah. Yeah. It they did, may, it did real they bad. may just kill it. All right. Well, are like, you- they, like they did when they were supposed to bring back the Universal Monsters. <laughs> they killed that. <laughs> are they times. bringing that back now? I think. I think they're trying to do it again. They can do it. They, why can't they do a good one? They can do a good one. I think they're caught up in the origin shit. Everything's an origin. That's movie. what was like, because yeah. I'm telling you that Tom Cruise mummy shit was <laughs> awful. I never watched it, but awful. I really want to. I, right. I don't remember anything other than me just hating that I was in that theater. Wow. <laughs> and you know, I love TC and you know, I love the mummy. I, you're a huge mummy fan. Mummies are the mummy. That's a good, that's a good franchise. You call the mummy every week. Mummy. <laughs> okay. Are you done? Uh, I think so. I got a good pivot here. Um, so opening weekend, do we want to take a guest on Exorcist Believer? Open, uh, are we talking domestic or uh, worldwide? Uh, we could do both. I got them both. All right. Opening weekend. Oh, wait. No, I don't. Uh, and- they're comparing it to Halloween. So Halloween opened to 76 million. Okay. Uh, definitely not. Uh, 76 domestic or worldwide? Uh, I believe that's domestic. I don't know. It's just boring. No, that has to be worldwide. Okay. Because that's a big number. That is a large number. Um, all right. So I would say opening weekend, domestic, 10 million. Oh, okay. Uh, 27. Oh, domestic. Domestic. Yeah. Oh, wow. Or that, honestly, it's probably global. The, the numbers that I'm looking like at is a quick Goog. Yeah. It's a quick Goog. Uh, theaters, runtime, uh, dom- domestic daily weekend. Yeah, I don't know. 26 Why don't you just million. Go to box office Because I, I don't care that much. I do know that Bloomhouse spent. Four hundred million on just the IP, so what? Just to use the Exorcist as like an IP is a four hundred million buy-in. So Jason Bloom's gone out there and been like, "We knew it was a big risk." So worldwide, it has made one hundred and twenty million. Opening weekend or or currently? So currently, okay. Opening in thirty six hundred theaters. Twenty twenty six. So again, I think this is a terrible way to like rank a movie like because you know a lot of people it's a flop that movie fuck you every movie i like is a flop this one though it's just i think it's not avatar you got your uh pulse on the the culture and it didn't do it the word of mouth nothing and it should have crushed but uh you bet on red you should have bet on black now i'm gonna pivot into the movie i'm gonna open talking about which had a fantastic box office uh, opening with 78 million in North America 
and 130 million globally. Of course, I am talking about Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, my mommy. A movie. Now, here's the thing, because again, shout out to our brother, not because he's black, but because we're related, Terrell, who's on DH1, which uh, we were recording that day. So we couldn't <laughs> figure out a time to go to the theater. So we did not contribute to that number. We actually watched it on home because we had Scott Sloan on the podcast who dropped the uh, tidbit that it was debuting on Peacock the same day that it opened in the theater. Yeah. So keep that in mind when you realize how much it crushed. Also, it's a Bloomhouse movie. So uh, Jason Bloom, I don't know. He's, he's made his money back, I think. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. A troubled security guard begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. During his first night on the job, he realizes that the night shift won't be so easy to get through. Pretty soon, he will unveil what actually happened at Freddy's. Uh, it's a wordy thing for people who, you know, honestly, if you're reading the synopsis to this film, it's probably not for you. I was among two people at my home uh, when we screened the film who knew anything about this franchise, this video game franchise, and it helped. And it, uh, I am not a huge fan. I don't think I've played any of them, but I've watched people play them. Yeah. Which is why we had five YouTuber cameos in here. Now, Clark, you're going to be shocked. Cutie pie? When you hear Matt Pat, Baz, 8-Bit Ryan, Daco, Fusion Z Gamer, <laughs> and Razbowski were all among. I haven't heard any of those guys. And my personal favorite, Corey X Kenshin, who's homie with Dashy. So oh, I I'm, know him. Yeah. So he was in there. He had a good little Uber driver role. Okay. Uh, Jason, no PewDiePie? Jason knew what the fuck he was doing here. No, I think Markiplier actually was supposed to play. I know him. He was supposed to be in it, and there was a scheduling conflict. He's he would have been the biggest one. He's big. Um, Jason Bloom he knew played, what he was doing. I'm sorry. He played the uh, big, uh, the Bad Ben game. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, oh, that, dude, a lot of people that played that. Bad, yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't help Nigel, who has about 11 people in his live streams every oh. night while he's trying to get a penny out of out of. Out of where I don't know where I was going. Here, let's take two. As he's <laughs> as he's on a live stream begging for money. There it is. Uh, e-begging, as they call uh, call it in the Cobra verse. Um, so this film, there's really you come in if you're a horror fan, you're looking for a Halloween movie. This broke the records for largest opening in a Halloween weekend. Really? So yeah, it's it's crushing. And again, <sighs> it simultaneously went to VOD. Now here's the thing, I don't know how much people enjoy it though. And I wrote a, I felt inspired and I wrote kind of a lengthy review on Letterboxd. I think Jason Bloom nailed what he needed to here. It's kind of like the Mortal Kombat movie. It was not rude to the source IP. All of the characters in the movie looked fantastic and nothing was tread on in like lack of uh, giving a shit. So none of the IP was stamped out by like production that didn't give a fuck. The problem here is that it's a Bloomhouse movie. Yeah. The editing felt a little weird. The pacing was off. Uh, when you think of like this franchise is definitely for a, a younger generation. And I imagined we would have kind of like a hard hitting, fast paced film. But they kind of went like a serious ghost tone with, again, not a lot of interesting characters outside of the uh, the titular, you know, beast here. And um they're fantastic. Uh, it's much better than Willy's Wonderland. And how did they fuck that movie up? Yeah, I, I like that movie. I didn't. I'm so the only one. You that probably did. won't like this movie. Like I think most people uh, I watched it with didn't. 
Like they were kind of like, oh, it's okay. Oh, Honestly, I'd rather watch my weight than watch this movie. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, Terrell was there. He fell asleep and he woke up and he said, it's all talking and they're talking too much. <laughs> and then at the end, which uh, again, I think Jason Blooms, he's a mastermind. He had a Matthew Lillard as part of the cast. Oh, baby. And they do a, lo- a little bit of scream nods in Where's here. Where's he been? I don't know. <laughs> he looks pretty good though. One's up the creek too coming up. I'm a I'm a Matthew Lillard fan. And you know, they give a little bit of love to like I what I was thinking is that Bloom knew we're gonna lose a lot of the traditional people that come to watch my movies here. So we gotta tie them in. And I think Matthew Lillard and a little bit of scream nods was the perfect way to do it. Because at the end of the film, Troy went, Oh my god, I love this movie. And I went, Oh, that motherfucker. He figured it out. Meanwhile, when I met with my sisters, who are huge Five Nights at Freddy's fans, they were like, what did you think? And they let me ramble like I do about every movie. Well, this is an old game. This game, is this game still popular? Yeah. They had yeah. a new one come out a couple years ago. See, it's ago. been going for 10 years. Yeah. So it's, of course, you know what I mean? And here's the problem. There's 10 years of lore yeah. that people give a fuck about. And in this movie, they did the thing where they tried to condense it all into one. And therefore, they didn't really pay any proper, like, they didn't really lampshade anything properly. Every every little thing that I picked up on, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. My, my sisters had a problem. And they're like, well, they didn't really do it right. So since there is a, a decade of lore out there, I'm assuming that we can go as long as we want to go in this franchise universe. We could have. Honestly, they got the look. They could be like new horror Is that what icons. this movie was? Did you feel that or no? No, the movie kind of felt like the new Exorcist to me, where I'm kind of like, this should have been stronger. It should have had a stronger opening. Honestly, this is also very poorly reviewed. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's from fans. Like they're like, the one thing that nobody can talk shit about is they looked cool. And I think if they came out CG, this would have been a laughing stock movie. But the location and the characters, they looked fucking cool. That's if you like them, then you get to see them come to life. They were very faithful and very interesting looking. It's PG 13. There's a couple of kills that uh, hint at being gruesome. I think it should have been an R. I think the audience is old enough. Uh, this would have yeah. been a great movie for little kids to sneak into. And well, and, and that's an interesting choice because, you know, um, well, Blum did that with Megan with PG 13. Yep. And, and from the producers of Megan. They, they put that up front. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't bad. It's just, it's you, you're taking on a decade of lore. Is this better than Megan? Fuck no. Megan's fantastic. <laughs> Megan was this year. Come also, on. if you haven't watched it yet, uh, the finale of Spooky Blu-ray Tuesday uh, happened and uh, Megan makes an appearance. Damn. Just a hint. Um, so yeah, Five Nights at Freddy. I'm, I don't know if I'm really the one that should be talking about it. I do love YouTube culture and film, and this was kind of like a weird crossover. And I was still kind of meh. They look fucking cool, though. This is a movie where you'd buy the merch and maybe not watch the film again. So if they come out with another one, which they definitely will, hopefully they'll recalibrate and they'll they'll nail it and we'll get a rated R one. Um, Randy, you in or out? I saw it in theaters. What the? What? <laughs> Wait a minute. Yesterday at like 1030 or no, it was, it was noon. All right, Randy, how much did you hate it? Uh, I, I don't know if I would say that I hated it, but I didn't. I would say that the sort of the setting and the, you know, animatronics, the characters wore off about halfway in, you know, like there's a early ish scene where they, uh, 
where there are some kills that are like, yeah. obviously very PG-13, but I thought that was actually like pretty cool and like kind of, you know, creepy in a PG-13 way. Yeah, I agree. And then, yeah, I felt like there wasn't, besides them looking kind of cool and like kind of creepy that, I don't know, it just didn't really do much for me past like, you know, 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, that's the product of like horror franchises too. You open up and the, the antagonist is the one that, you know, really steals the show. And then as it continues, you start to root for them. So like screen time in like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Freddy's got a lot more of it because that's why we're there. And I felt yeah. like that was a product of condensing all this lore. It's kind of like they're monsters and now, and it, it didn't work. Randy, my problem with it was the fucking cop character. So yeah. a lot of the internet doesn't like the main like human people, same shit. Freddy versus Jason's like, who are these human people I don't care about? Also, when you have 10 years of lore, why are you creating new characters that we have to like do all this effort to like get on board with? True. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's like more than 10 because uh, my aforementioned cousin who's really into horror, I remember him playing this video game like when we were teenagers or something, you know? Yeah. And then it, my. My sister's boyfriend has a kid from another relationship who's like 11 now. And he loves FNAF, as he calls it. Yeah. Five Nights at Freddy. And um, over last uh, Christmas, I was there for a couple of days and uh, I was just hanging out with him. And he loves Five Nights at Freddy's. And he was just like explaining the characters to me. He could like name like, yeah, you know, all like 36 characters or whatever. And he was just like. Oh my telling God. me all about it. And he's 12 or 11, something like that. Dude, little kids, they latch on to it. There were some little kids with their parents in the theater too. And they seemed like they enjoyed it. it you know, wasn't too creepy or too boring. Yeah. I think, um, like I said, Bloomhouse knew what they were doing. They're issuing in a whole new, maybe YouTube fueled cinema world. And uh, Randy, did you have a favorite animatronic? Not really. Like I am with uh, characters' names in movies. I, I I don't even really differentiate their names, so I couldn't tell you who was who. Well, you got like Fazzy Bear. You got Chica. You got the uh, wolf guy with an eye patch. Yeah. Is, it, is it literally Fazzy Bear? I don't know. Honestly, Fozzie, I don't. I didn't Fazzie. know because they couldn't change it from Fozzie. I think. Well, originally, you know, this is how lazy they are. It. Do you mean literally, as in, is it, spelled with an A, like Fazzy Bear? It yeah. is. It, it, that is his name. Yeah. Well, that's lazy as hell. Well, I think originally nobody knew the game was going to blow up, which I looked it up. It was nine years ago. Um, but it does. It does leave that impression, Randy. And I don't yeah. think anybody knew the game was going to blow up. And it was just literally a parody of, you know, it's like born out of creepypasta. It's Internet shit. Like, what if you slept over at Chuck E. Cheese? Which Chuck E. Cheese did a low key kind of shady thing mm -hmm. where they had an event night the day that that was supposed to come out unrelated. But like they were kind of leaning into it. I didn't look much into what they actually did, but people online were like, well, they can't do that because people get so defensive over fucking uh, FNAF, as Randy's uh, nephew would put it. Anyway, yeah, uh, maybe not for the crowd that listens to this show, but um, if you all have a younger sibling, ask them what they thought, because I bet they were kind of disappointed, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe hopeful for the future. Um, How many stars? Oh, uh, you know what? I don't know. What the fuck did I give it? Oh, see, now I feel a pressure. I think to stay you gave true. it like nine out of 12 or something insane. Probably nine or eight. That's crazy. 
I think it it sounds really optimistic, yeah. which is part of the benefit of the twelve star like system. Three out of twelve. Um. Okay. So Randy, now, how many stars? I don't know, five or six out of twelve. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, checks out. Honestly, that's a little high. I thought Randy would have went lower. Um. Now we watched the movie unreleased. Oh boy. Clark went looking for it. Couldn't find it, but we had it right under his nose. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the invite. I watched it really late. Otherwise I would have told you. Uh, oh, what? I had a, I had a secret movie. I forgot. Okay. We could, we could uh, loop it in if you want after this. Okay. Hell house LLC origins, the Carmichael Manor. Oh, <laughs> A group of cold case investigators stay at the Carmichael Manor, site of the grisly unsolved murders of the Carmichael family back in the 80s. After four nights, the group was never heard from again. What is discovered on their footage is even more disturbing than anything found on the Hell House tapes. Also, it says four nights in here. I clearly remember them saying five nights. That right. they're going to they're gonna stay five nights here. And we're like, yeah, how do you not make that joke? Thank you. Um, Stephen Cognetti, we all know him. He was on the show twice. Stevie Cogs, as we call him. Uh, famously, let me give you a little bit of history if you're uh, too We've lazy. never called him that. Or not a fan of the show enough to go back and listen to those interviews. Stephen um, started Hell House as a idea he had. There was a lot of rich lore. Anyway, he had a horror movie in mind. But he had no budget in pocket. So it turned into a found footage film. And it uh, became a, over not overnight, it was like a cult hit that just bubbled up on Amazon Prime. It was a big hit. <clears throat> and it eventually, yeah, came into a cultural pillar. It's um one of the, it's the found footage uh, movie that you show your friend when you want to scare him. It is, it has become a staple. Yeah, for sure. In, in found footage. There's no question about and, it. And um, Shudder, although they're not very vocal about it, they really give a lot of love to found footage movies and in-world camera ones. And they started funding part two and three. Which we talked to Cognetti again, and he said, you know, I really didn't envision these to be in-world camera, but I feel like I owe it to the audience now who came here for, you know, the format. And, you know, if you remember the Blair Witch broke format with their sequel and people were angry. So I understand. But at the same time, when you hold a filmmaker hostage and force them to make a found footage movie, the results are usually varied. And uh, two, I think, is... Everybody agrees the worst installment of the franchise. Three was a little bit better. And now here we are with four. Now, I the bar was a little low for me. And I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. It's the Carmichael Manor. We're like, we're expanding the universe. Like, to what point? And, uh, you know, I watched it with Terrell. And he pointed out, uh, which becomes immediately obvious what this movie's about. If you look on the poster... We get the good old clown face in the background. And uh, here, let me pull it up so you can see it. And I'm like, wait, how did I not notice the fucking clown on there? You look like Michael Meyer. Well, I missed him on the poster. You can't miss him in the movie. Him or his two brothers, because there's three clowns now. Oh! Now, here's, here's the critique. The clown boys. It's, it's kind of like when we talked to Nigel Bach, and, and he was going to come out with the sequel. And then Batter Ben came out, and we watched it, and we went... He he missed it. Like people like this movie because no, Stillmanville Road was the third one. Stillmanville Road was the second one. Was it? Hundred percent. Did I get that wrong? Batterbin was three. Stillmanville Road was two. Okay, so in Stillmanville, thank you. This is very important. I'm, I'm know, glad you gotta know your bit bit. I was gonna lose my street cred. Um, so Stillmanville Road came out, and Nigel's not in it, and but his house is, <laughs> and and Bad Ben, 
And it's like, wow, there's just no fun here. So in Batterben, he comes back and, uh, you know, he listened to us and it's like, we're there for you, Nigel. You're, you're the character. So in this movie, it's kind of like Cognetti got a little bit uh, wise to it. And he's like, oh, people liked the format. So we open up, we got another Ford faux doc here. We're not just like following a vlogger or somebody, which two and three were all about. We have a faux doc post tragic events, uh, bookending this movie. Then in the movie, we, we have new characters who are exploring a new house. This is a giant mansion, the Carmichael Manor. I don't know where they really shot this, but it's it's got that, like, this is a high-end hotel that should be full of people, but now it's empty, and I'm getting, like, liminal space vibes. Also, there's creepy clowns in there, which is just, like, a shameful kind of brought back the clown from the first movie thing. But, you know... People I, love that clown. I only, I'm only harsh on it because it fucking works. Yeah. And this movie... I think you might be able to argue is scarier than the original. Oh boy. Cognetti. And I told him in two and three, he knows how to craft a, a moment like a scare. Yeah. And even after there's one in here in particular that the execution was just battling my found footage brain. And I'm like, how is this happening? How do people not look back into it? But yet in the moment, it's completely effective. The movie is scary. The characters, we have three characters we're following, a lesbian couple and one of their brothers. They're hanging out here. They kind of have the, uh, the, the very braggadocious, like, I do a podcast vibe, which is kind of like, okay, but it works. And um, I don't know, man, we're, we're hitting all the classic notes and it works. It's scary, but yet I couldn't help but be like, there's no real original ideas here. We're bringing back the hits. It's the greatest hits from the first one. Sometimes you want to hear the hits. I know, but I know Cognetti is more creative than that. And I'm like, I think you could have found your way. Hey, hey, everybody's got a mortgage. Yeah, I'm splitting my hairs here. I know it. And ultimately, I really like the movie. Um, although I would not reveal that to Terrell as we were watching it. I let him dangle out there. Um, Oksana, did you want to add anything? Um... I don't think so. I mean, I feel like I missed like a chunk of it because we did start it at midnight or whatever again. Um, yeah. These midnight I was, movies. I enjoyed it though, what I did see. I, I mean, yeah, I didn't miss that. Were you scared? Yes. Okay. It was super effective and more than one of them really <laughs> worked on me. Yeah. It, um, so it was going back to his roots. It's a return. If you were, if you had any worries about two A return and three, to innocence. Yeah. Good song, dude. <laughs> Great song. Um, if you were a little worried, don't be. Uh, check it out. Turn the lights off. Make sure you're watching it because this movie will will be hurt by a phone. So tuck it away. All right. Did you want to sneak in your hidden movie? Yes. Well, uh, my uh, friend, my hidden movie is a movie that we all saw. Now, we did see a movie that we can't talk about because we're cool people and we watch cool things. But the second movie was something when Randy came over here last week and we had even teased it on the show. We are like, well, what are we going to watch? What are we going to watch? But we ended up watching a movie. I don't that we remember can't talk what about. we watched. We watched a movie we can't talk about, but then we also watched a movie that is a movie that I have seen. Oh, fuck you. No, we yeah. do not need to talk about this shit. We're going to oh. talk about me finally forcing and using oh Randy. My God. Using Randy as a ploy <laughs> to finally show you two the Brett. Ratner masterpiece known as Tower Heist. <laughs> oh, that's the best movie ever made. It was a cool guy car crash. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been harder.
Now, Randy is also oh a self-professed God. fan Hell of yeah. uh, Brett Ratner's uh, 2011, that, 2012. That's a scary fact, friend. Thank you so much. Of uh, <laughs> Tower Heist. Now, uh, I want to get Russell and Oksana's thoughts on the masterpiece that they watched last week. Go ahead, Oksana. You can start. <laughs> bothered me <laughs> what bothered what bothered you dear um how like i don't know how light-hearted everything was I'm yeah like, it's the, comedy it's pg-13 i comedy. understand that but for like the, the, the car the dangling out of like a skyscraper yeah made me so fidgety and like great i don't know it wasn't bad i i mean i would never <laughs> seek this out i don't know how i feel about ben stiller anymore I've watched right. it, I think, a dozen times. I, you know, my problem with it is the script, and I think it's ultimately what what this genre kind of offers, where it's like there's a interaction between the movie and the audience, which is like you're never gonna guess how we're gonna get out of this, and I'm like, I mean, what if I don't care, bum, or, bum, or bum, what if bum. I know that this genre will always have you get out of it, so thinking about how you're gonna do it is a waste of time. That's what I kept thinking in my head. I, I have a cynical brain, but See, I'm. <laughs> And that's the thing. That's why in these movies, you just need to get, you know, high. (laughs) That helps. But to just turn turn the brain off. You know, it really had the, uh, it felt permeated by a holiday. And it felt like it it could have been Christmas or, I mean, it's literally Thanksgiving. During the the parade. But it felt like a light movie that you you already know what's happening. You could walk in and out of the room and you can always be on board. You're never left behind. As a reminder, they go on Snoopy. I know. And honestly, that was kind of interesting, but I felt embarrassed every time I thought about it. Where I'm like, oh, I wonder, did they only have one shot at this when Snoopy was like walking by the building? And, they had to, and I'm like, uh, the answer is who gives a fuck? Bum, bum, <laughs> bum, bum. You know, the, the problem is that I would, to be fair, and I'll, I'll reveal myself here. If they didn't have a budget and they pulled the movie off like this, I mean, which would be impossible. But if you were filming during that parade and you were doing it guerrilla style, I would yeah. be completely invested. I don't see that's why that's why I was excited to show this because it is it is an angle of Hollywood that you don't see anymore. Me in particular yeah. or people yeah, either who, one of you. Okay. You don't watch the big budget heist things. Uh you know, the big PG-13 comedy. You yeah. know what I mean? Um and it's, you know, these things haven't changed in, in decades. No. You know, there's a formula. They follow it to a T. And, you know, for, for two hours, you know, the score is pretty aggressive. Yeah. Um, the and, jazzy drums. like Eddie Murphy will always make me laugh, I think. So I got kind also of embarrassed that, yeah. that he, he was so good. He's I, so funny. I will say when he turned on them, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Thank you for not just making him like. And then we don't see him again. Because we didn't see him get a gold car part. Really? No. Oh, Why is this some he? like deep Reddit lore here? They're like, what happened to Eddie Murphy at the end of the You tower? know what? <laughs> I, I have not delved into the Reddit lore. <laughs> Of Tower Heist. Well, Randy brought a little, he's like, you know, they wanted to call it Trump Heist. And I'm like, really? Yeah. 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 I'm like, I feel like that would have hurt the movie. Especially now. Like, how, like, fucking, um, how much of a hot button that one word can become. Yeah. 
Yeah, you'd get a bunch of weird people like championing the film. I, th- I think he would have been great in the film as a cameo. We could have used a Trump cameo. He would have been cut out in Canada, like in yeah. Home Alone 2, but it would have worked. What a shame. Yeah. Uh, and then Randy left right at the start of Act 3. Yeah, and yeah so roughly. did I. I checked out it, too. You know, three or four times. It's good. It's fun. Which I was shocked to hear, by the way, Randy. <laughs> like three or four. Something about it, it although it is formulaic, something about the jokes or the writing is just like a little bit dumber in a funny way. Yeah. Really works for me. Yeah. There, there is a little bit of irony and yeah. it is a little self-aware. There, there is a, there is a, um, boy, I am trying not to use the word that use I want to use. Do this, it. Movie, this movie's a vibe, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it has my, uh, my favorite mumbly actor, Casey Affleck in it. So. Oh, Which is, one is he? He's mumbly to the core. I realized that I he's, can't. He's the one with the my wife, wife. My wife's got a tiny vagina. Oh, okay. The, She's the got one. a tiny vagina. Oh, I I'm did. I'm Casey Affleck. I did want to grab. I'm 36, grab. but I sound like I'm 84. <laughs> yeah. I was reaching for my rape whistle every time he came on screen. <laughs> Your sister's got a tiny vagina. I know. I did. I like him. It runs in the too. family. Now I'm embarrassed that I liked him. Bum, 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 All right. Bum. Hey, All he right. was great underneath a uh, sheet during a ghost story for three-fourths of that movie. Oh that God. was a stunt double, Randy. I heard that he was actually there, dude. <laughs> I heard he was in I can't, it. Randy's got the Reddit takes, dude. I heard He's it was Hal Needham. Fu- <laughs> okay. uh, Russell, how many stars out of 12 oh for Tower Heist? Uh, how many stars? Bum, what, bum, what would I really bum, give bum, it? What would I really? Let me, let bum, me think. Bum, 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 bum. Probably like eight, seven. Eight out of 12? Yeah. That's a perfect score. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm telling you, what would have felt kind of like a betrayal given my old rating system. Eight feels like, dude, you loved it. Tower Heist is a twelve star movie. We got Precious, who's a uh, she cracks the safe, dude. Who's a uh, hurtful stereotype? And she's like, "You mert? Oh, d- please, no, don't, I, please, I don't, mert. please don't, please don't do What's the voice. <laughs> you mert? That's a good movie. All right, all right, back to. Spooky Halloween coverage of films we review. Mrs. Chin's Chinese. Um, She's now, Korean. I know, Randy, he's looking at the watch. He's hearing bumps in the walls. I promise you Billy's not back, and we'll be wrapping up soon. I got one more for you. A film I was very excited to watch. Randy's got a date in opium, damn. Uh, this <laughs> film, uh, you know, when I first met Clark and Randy, uh, I started getting into podcasts, and I was listening to him. And yeah, but stupid shit like I had, Cloak and Dagger. I had Cloak and What's Dagger. What's it called? <laughs> the, okay. The, sword and Sorcerer? No. <laughs> sword and Scale was popular yeah, where we worked, but I don't I don't like the true crime stuff. <laughs> I uh, was into a podcast, and uh, it was called The Movie Crypt. The and, Movie uh, Crypt. I loved it, and I pushed you guys into listening to it, and then... I think you hung in there for a little bit and immediately soured afterwards. No, I... You know what? I listened to... it. But, with most things, it's guest dependent. Yeah. Okay. And uh, have you heard them recently? Well, with the, the paywall because they went with the paywall thing. I know it's brutal. And uh, I'll listen to the first hour. You know, like yeah. with Mickey Reese, I listened to the first hour. There were a couple other. Uh, Tom Six was great, but yeah, I just um, I, I just it. have it at the paywall. And I remember being I like the show. I remember being so disappointed at the time. Like, I like those oh, guys. Man, I like that show, and they had a lot of cool insight and. And I don't know. I eventually you find Adam Green kind of grating 
you feel like he's one of those friends who you love. Shut up about his fucking dog. Yeah, but he's one of those friends who's always got like terminal issues. Like whether it be a relationship or like career, it's there's always something. Yeah, and also you're not an empathetic person. No, I totally am. (laughs) I completely (laughs) I completely am. He was mean to me one one year at a con and I will never fucking forgive him. Really? Never How did he manage? We you? talked about it on the show. I think he got creeped out vibes from me, which you know, um, I get it. I'm, Were you drinking? I'm a uh, strapping <laughs> meatball of testosterone. And <laughs> did you have a drink in your hand while you're talking to him? No. no, I did drink when I talked to uh, Scream Factory. Who we that conversation immediately turned into an argument about found footage, but they still agreed to be on the show. I just never followed up. I think it was a little embarrassed. Um. Yeah, so, you know, the other half of the movie crypt is Joe Lynch, whom I consider to be a Wes Craven type. Incredible. I love hearing him talk about film. He's got great taste in film. He's the type of filmmaker who shows up to the fucking unearthed special 4K release of, um, what the hell is that movie called? Serbian film. Serbian film. We saw it. Yeah, and it's like, you you just, you get street cred from him. The the quality of films you get from him, though, are kind of like- He lives the life. He's there. I just, I root for him so hard. And then he makes stuff like Everly. I'm not a huge fan. He makes stuff like Mayhem, where I'm not a fan. Knights of Badass. Oh man, that one was rough. And the thing is, it's like, God damn it, Joe. I really want to back you. Give me something like just strong. And I feel like he's, he's in the middling territory of like Hollywood production, where it's like, we don't have a ton of money, but I have a fan base and we have a little bit of money. So you end up with like, I don't know. It's just, I really want him to do well. So when Suitable Flesh was getting like rave reviews from Film Fest, I was like, oh dude, thank you. This movie, it looks like the one. It seems like we're doing a Freaky Friday thing, but like Lovecraftian vibes. And um, we we got like Heather Graham in there. We have a bunch of people. Bruce uh, Bruce Crampson, uh, Graham Skipper's in it. Yeah. It opens up with two people, Robert Crampton and Graham Skipper in this movie. And I'm like, Hey, we got Overlook alum right off the All bat. All over the place, baby. And I'll tell you right now, they're the best two things about the movie. Um, also, Graham Skipper is playing a uh, mortician, I think. He's working at a morgue. Oh, hell And yeah. they do my favorite trope. Which is the weirdest trope of all like CSI horror movies that take place over a cadaver. He eats a, a gross sandwich that is dripping unfazed by the, the death. Yep. I'm like, you're nailing it. And then uh, they did it and gone in 60 you know, seconds. I, I'm going to I'm going to do this a little quick. Now, I wrote out a let me give you a little back story here. We watched the movie. Maybe got back. Um, Jasadi decided that the movie was not worth his time again, East Bay cinematographer. I'm and he, so he opted in for a nap in the middle of the movie, which honestly, me and he Tro, works a lot. Me and Tro were like, thank you, because hearing him bitch about shit is just <laughs> not constructive. So he tapped out and me and Tro were kind of like, oh, man, we wanted more. Um, so Terrell went on Letterboxd and he's been pretty good lately about just reviewing films immediately. Well, he reviewed it. And within a minute, Joe Lynch liked it. And he went, oh, no. (laughs) He went, oh, no, man. He liked my movie. And he was like, I gave it, I gave it fucking two and a half stars. So he was just like, he read my review. Well, about a minute later, he commented on it. Here we go. So uh, I won't read Terrell's review. Go to his letterbox. He's Blu-ray Junkie 88, if you want to read that. And um, yeah, so there was a comment. Let me find it. Joe immediately responded, sorry it didn't work for you. Maybe next one. Oh, no. At which Terrell had a panic attack. Oh, no. 
And I was like, what do I do? What do I do? Nothing. So I thought nothing, right? Well, he answered, and Terrell, oh, I love God. you to death, but I'm going to read what you wrote. Oh, no. Because here's the thing. What you told, <laughs> oh, no. what you told me was kind of like, I was like, oh, maybe I anticipated it too much. And I, I just didn't like it because I expected more. What he wrote was, hey, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I listen to you. The movie Crypt every Monday. Met you and Adam a few times too. Movie is different from what I anticipated. And I think I overhyped myself. Ha ha. I'm going to watch again and definitely add to the Blu-ray collection in the future. Yeah. Terrell, come on, man. Come on. What is this pandering? Yeah. Not like he's going to respond. And? And he did. Of course. And he said, hopefully now with tempered expectations, it will play better the second time. Thank you so much. Oh, so Terrell, what he, we were sitting there talking and he was like, this movie's getting great reviews. I don't understand. Great reviews. So I went on Letterboxd. I'm like, let me look. Certified and he's right. Fresh. The first five, all five stars. And I went, what the? F-? And I'm like, wait a minute. These are all Joe Lynch. He reviewed the first five reviews. Four of them are Joe Lynch. And he, he admits, I, um, I know I'm abusing the system a little bit here, but I don't care. Yeah, look at it. It's all Joe Lynch. So I went, what the fuck is this? So we were talking about it. It was funny. We went to bed. I woke up and I don't know why. I'm like, let me just get this movie off. Like, I don't want to think about it. So I wrote my review, which is pretty long. And um, if you want to read it, I was going to read it, but now I'm looking at it. I'm kind of like, there's a lot here. Basically, my main gripe here, I'll just give you a, a brief one. Um, the movie is kind of going for a 90s vibe, kind of like Skinamax. So the sets and the way it was shot, like the color grading, it, they all reflect that. It's kind of uninspired. The houses feel unlived in, but it feels very of the era. There's a couple of like sex scenes. Um, we have saxophone music playing, which most people attribute to the 80s. It's really an early 90s thing. Joe knows it. He's savvy. And what the movie really is, is a role reversal of those kind of like uh, misogynist um, genre shorts. They're like an hour long, usually on Cinemax and stuff. So we have Heather Graham, who's a therapist, and uh, she has a young boy come into her office one day. Again, he's probably like 21 or something, 18. And he's telling her, her, her his dad's- so a young trying, man. A young man. His dad's trying to kill him. And he looks manic and crazy. And she's like, here, you have to come back. And there's a dramatic, he answers the phone, it's his dad, and then he changes personalities. And he's completely different now. Now he's cool guy territory. And he's just like, what's up? Clearly, he doesn't remember why he was there. And uh, bada bing, bada boom, he grabs her butt and is completely rude. But this doesn't dissuade her. So she goes home. She's got a trophy husband. And I'm like, oh, we're just doing a role reversal. So everything here is Heather Graham ends up uh, boning the little boy. And honestly, I thought that was pretty effective. Young man. I, I can't help it. I know. She ends up. So normally, you know, as uh, South Park would let you think. um, the whole idea of like female pedophiles is kind of like a thing dudes high five over. And, you know, it's definitely a fantasy when you're young, but something about the way that Joe captured it, it really was effectively, it felt like wrong. Yeah. I think mostly because the kid was having like mental problems and it's like, it really felt like she was taking advantage of him. And that's kind of where the movie stopped being effective for me. It, it turns into kind of a jokey freaky Friday thing where, um, shenanigans happens there's some uh cthulhu mythos in the background which i thought were well done but miskatonic is a thing that when i hear those that word evoked i cringe in my soul and i know that's a me problem and i know that people buy miskatonic university clothing although i forever will be bewildered why 
And there's a lot of that in this movie. And at the end of the day, I felt like the lore didn't really work out. So the rules here are if you body jump three times, uh, you're, you're completely taken over and now you're swapped into the other body. Um, the way that you body swap is that you, you chant a Cthulhu mythos, uh, chant. Sure. I think it was literally lifted out of the call of Cthulhu short and a couple words were changed with, which also irked me. Cause I mean, he, HP Lovecraft is credited as a co-writer in this movie. And I'm like, well, couldn't you have like played in the universe a little bit more? We're going into like, what the fuck was that guy's name? Derelict, the one who like created a, a pantheon of these gods, which is completely against the like the heart and soul of Lovecraft, which is kind of the unknown and the bleak tragedy of being murdered by something you'll never have any input or like information about. Anyway, I felt like the the rules broke down at the end of the movie for pacing. Um basically just to ramp up the third act. There's a moment where Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton are constantly body swapping. And I'm like, well, if, you, if in one, one of the, they do make out in the movie. Sick. And I will tell you, Barbara Crampton is Elizabeth Bathory. She looks fantastic in this film. Also one of the, I, she's great in the movie. She does a fantastic job of acting. And I almost wish she was the lead. Like the whole time, like Heather Graham's not bad, but, I don't, there's something about Barbara. She she's like the secondary friend character to Heather, yeah. but she feels more embodying um, of the role of like the sultry therapist, like one you would go to not because you want help, but you just want to oogle her for like an hour. Like she does a better job of like like Doctor Melfi. Uh, sure, like doc, I don't know Doctor Melfi. Sopranos. Oh, never oh, seen here. it. Let me. I know it. both of y'all are idiots. <laughs> I've seen the first episode. The ducks. I almost watched the movie. Don't. All right. So don't you ever say that ever again. That's my review. And I posted that. I think so. We, we concluded our adventure. I think at like 2 a.m. Wait, the night, did you fight with Joe? The night prior. And I put that up on Letterboxd around 7 a.m. the oh, next day. No. Uh, within a minute. Oh, a minute. I got about, uh, I got a like and a comment. Now. Now, what did you rate it? I rated it two and a half. Out of five. Because they do not have, they have not yet implemented the 12 star rating. So I went the same route as Terrell, but I wrote a lot. Before you go into this, I have a question. Yeah. When you were writing this review. <laughs> was the burp part of the question. <laughs> yes, it was. It adds to the whole okay. uh, oeuvre. Uh -huh. When you were writing your review, were you taking into account there is a high likelihood Joe Lynch is going to see this? I thought it was done. Because I don't, I don't know why, but what I do you thought, mean? You thought what was done? I him like perusing. So Letterbox. you, you were like, I wasn't really thinking okay. about it, and honestly, I felt like I, I think that's short sighted on your part. Yeah, probably. And uh, but I also maybe I knew that if I if I took that into consideration, I would veer in kind of like the Terrell territory, and I didn't want to be like, like honestly, my gripes were with the lore, and I was thinking about the film in a way that I thought he would want. So that's why I was complaining about it. So being a, a staunch defender of Lovecraft? Well, you know, I mentioned up top that Barbara Crampton's fantastic and I will always root for Joe Lynch. And I mean that. Sure. I really want him to do well. I also think that you mean that. And I also, I think I called him a master of horror. And much like Wes Craven, where I don't like the majority well, the of his movies. the bar is pretty low on that. Mick Garris is a master. Well, modern master. Mick Garris. Yeah, he's, he's up there with Mick Garris. No, but I really, I like what he does for the culture. So all that is in there. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean to Mick Garris. I like Mick Garris. Beautiful hair. Not, I don't love his movies. So 
uh, immediately. I got a t- and I'll tell you, well, I got the comment, and I was like, I'm not reading that. <laughs> I'm not opening that. <laughs> it was my. Fr- I gave me. It's giving me anxiety. Coming revisiting. Dude, it now. I want to watch this movie now. So I had, I had anxiety. I'm getting anxiety right now. And then I got an email notification. Hey, you got a new comment on the letterbox? And I was mad at my email. Oh boy. I'm like, I'm trying to bury this. Can you get the fuck away from me? Um, so here we go. This is it. Let me take a deep breath. I'll read from. It. <gasps> Thanks for watching, Russell. In terms of the incantation, we went with the idea that, again, he's addressing one of the problems with lore immediately. Uh, In terms of the incantation, we went with the idea that by the time we got to the third time, Elizabeth and the entity were so tethered that it didn't matter anymore if they were in the same room. But maybe that's not very clear. Sorry, it didn't work for you. And hey, on the bright side, I'll take horror royalty. Funny enough, I thought I was uh, funny enough. I thought this was my no budget effort. Either way, thanks for watching. I said what I wanted from Joe Lynch is a YouTube straight to Tubi kind of no production, just creative thought, like boiled down micro budget film. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, rereading that, not as bad as I remember. But the fact that he felt the need to explain the lore and how I didn't understand it, yet also kind of admitting that he did break his own fucking rule. I think Joe would be in a better place if he just did not do that. I know. And I, it made me feel bad for him. I'm like, dude, don't, don't, yeah, don't answer don't every feed, fucking, don't feed the trolls. And the troll's name is Russell Fisher and Terrell. Uh, not Trotty. at all. I, I wanted to, <sighs> he's just, he's just, a, I follow him on letterbox. He's just on there all the time. So I feel like yeah. this is his social media interaction. I don't. And I, I think is it healthy. <laughs> I think it's a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many people, so I didn't answer him. I felt kind of like, I don't know. It's one of those things where Letterboxd, directors do look at it. And you yeah. can you can fall into this. Hey, that's how we book people for this show. But it's, it gets tricky because you don't, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck what I think about your movie? Like, you did it. Good job. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a real film. And I, it just bums me out to think that these dumb fuck, not 12-star reviews, the very inefficient five-star review system might actually have an impact on somebody. Neanderthals. Yeah, it's fucking dumb. And that's why, you know, that's, I mean, again, to go behind the curtain, that's why the 12-star thing is there. Because it's all kind of stupid. So, I don't know. I felt bad about it. The movie was, also, I should mention, the movie does have good gore. There are great effects in there. Yeah. Man, it just, it hits that kind of one note. This is what we're doing the whole movie. And if you're not really into these characters, it's not, there's nothing there. Gore, gore. If you want to watch it, I think we do still have the screener unless they revoked it after my letterbox review. Oh, that's a strong possibility. The movie's out? Uh, Oksana? It is out as of the 27th. Oh, no. So by on, the t- on Shader? Um, no, it's on VOD. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, it so be- it's already out then, yeah. Yeah, so it's on, on, VO- on Amazon for rent. Um, it's probably going to come to Shutter later. So it came out on Friday. Maybe that's why I thought it was in safe territory. Maybe we watched it on like Thursday night or something. And Terrell being the final wave of what would be like film fest people or like industry. Maybe I thought in that morning I would have the uh, the cover of the the plebs of you know the world. It was a Monday. It was a Monday. Yeah, that's when I came over. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because Randy. Yeah, Randy, what did you think of it? I think I left like 30 minutes in. Yeah. And everybody assumed it was because of the movie. (laughs) No. I think by the time you left, Jasadi had already clocked out, though. 
Oh, really? He may have. Yeah. 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 It was good seeing you, though, Randy. The highlight of the night. Hell yeah. Tower heist. Oh, my God. All right. I think we're done. It's Halloween. Uh, It's 2 o'clock. Randy's got to go. All right, Randy. Uh, Thursday. Wait. Randy, what are you going to dress up for on Halloween? Yeah. What are you going to be? Would it shock you to say that I'm doing nothing for Halloween? Oh, come on. You're in Atlanta, dude. Go to the plaza. What are they yeah, showing? Yeah, be a stripper. Be I don't know. Stripper. It's a Tuesday night, dude. I got work. Oh, my God. The next Randy, day. What if you have trick-or-treaters, though? You don't want to be that guy. We don't. As of last year. Oh, it, damn. Yeah, we didn't have any. And also, I have a very um, steep driveway, and I don't see kids or anyone wanting to uh, <laughs> make that trick. So. What, they have to spur lock up to your door? It's pretty. I, you'll get a little winded walking up it, not going to lie. He's got to throw a rope ladder down for the trick or treat. It's time. Come right. on up, kids. Well, let's go around the table. Uh, Oksana, what are you going to be? <laughs> TBD. TBD, an, an acronym. Is that an acronym or an abbreviation? I don't to know. To be yep. determined. All right. Clark, what do you got? I'm joining Randy and Oksana. I, th- I bought you a mask like two years ago. You should put it on. That was an awful It was mask a football mask that <laughs> slowly. <laughs> Started to make me sick when I breathed in. You wore it? No, but it's awful. What happened to that mask? I have no idea. Probably got mixed in with our Halloween decorations. I bet Creepy took it. (laughs) Strong. Dude, he probably stole it. That little bitch. Randy, find him and kill him. Um, I will be wearing... um, Fuck, honestly, we we might want to get something. So we could go to that uh, Scott Frizzell thing in costume. We have costumes. A night with Scott Frizzell. <laughs> Dude, I'll film it. It could be our first found footage movie. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, anything else? Any other notes? We hit all our notes at the beginning, yeah? Glory Hole, Project Eerie. DH1. I love Terrell. It's on. I mean, this 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 game show is bizarre. And, and it, I love it. Uh, it won't be filming on Tuesday because Halloween. But it will pick up the following Thursday and Sunday and Tuesday. So tonight we're recording in here. So is Terrell in the chopping block tonight? Is it a possibility? I How's this work? Okay. People actually, uh, they did a post recap episode yeah. and he got voted to be one of the potential top two. Well, you know, he, hey, he's got that riz, baby. Yeah, he does. Yeah. You know, he's Which got that riz. Might mean he's got a target on his back. Also, strong possibility. Well, Terrell is welcome to come on any time a week and uh, no. he can discuss the um, we should the do that. YouTube reality <laughs> show. I think it's great. Right. Oh, ORG. All right, Randy, leave our listeners with something of import. I've decided just now that I'm going to go as white OJ Simpson. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, dude. We'll Good see you next job, week. dude. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. 
Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.